Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on January the 16th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my precious snow angel. Uh, I'm Caffeine Rage and I'm not sure how I feel about this. On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we played this week. We're going to be talking about games that we're interested in that are coming in 2018. We're going to be taking a Patreon topic from Cube, the best games that aren't fun. We'll have our weekly community corner. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Uh, but I don't have to go. <laughs> yeah. I usually always edit out the little flubs, but like my brain just just went. It's too cold. It froze up. It is too cold. It's really cold outside. Hey. It's, thir- it's 13 degrees outside here right now. We were both just comparing weather... Well, I didn't send you my weather chart. You showed me yours, but I didn't show you mine this time. Oh, don't worry. I I know that you're saving it because of shrinkage right now. Yeah, it is pretty small right now. Short and shriveled. But uh, yeah, it's really fucking cold outside. And it's been snowing here all day. That's the first and only snowfall we've gotten so far this winter. Uh, and it probably will be because the weather's supposed to kind of roller coaster for a few days and then go back to being in like the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, maybe I should and, go south for the winter. Yeah. Maybe I should go farther south for the winter. No, 50s and 60s are fine for me. Yeah, actually, I really like the... Anywhere in the like the 40 to 60 range is great for me. And then the 30s is kind of like, eh. Yeah, 30s, once are, you get below, 30s are all right for me. 20s is a, uh, getting low. Getting in the, uh, this teens bullshit is way too much for me. Yeah, as soon, well, I mean, for me, as soon as it drops into the teens, uh, I guess it, teens, I guess this like, just no, proves that I'm not Republican. I don't like it going <laughs> into the teens. Oh, oh, sick political sex <laughs> pervert burn. No. <laughs> oh. And yes, yes, I realize not all Republicans are perverts. It's just we've had a strong sample going that way lately. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely go that way. And, and um, to be fair, we I, have a pervert on uh, uh, the show right now that is definitely not a Republican. Right, Jared? Oh, I'm I'm definitely a sex pervert. And we're going to be talking about some sex pervert things again this week. Let me tell you, I have been so looking forward to talking about two of my games this week. Ever since, well, we wrapped up recording last Tuesday. And I went and I sat down to continue playing uh, Gender Bender. I was like, okay, I can't wait for Tuesday so I can talk about this some more. Well, at least it's not Elite. Yep, yep, yep. I will be talking about Elite during the show, but not during the Games We Played segment. During the stuff we're looking forward to, or interested in, for 2018. Uh, Do I need the uh, deck of playing cards of utter boredom? No, it'll just be a minute, or two. Or 20. Probably not. Some of the other games might take a while to talk about, though. We've got a really big list. Last year when we did this, it was only like five or six games that we did. And uh, so I messaged Rage No, 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 I said hey. you. No, yeah, that's right. You did message me and you asked me about it. And I was like, I, I have five games. So I was going to go back and look at my list and see if I'm maybe adding yeah, start, one more. Yeah, start adding. Start adding. You were like, I've got 20. I was like, oh, okay. But I'll just the, put the, some of that stuff on there that I was. The, this is the year in. that a lot of the projects from last year got pushed into. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that was announced last year that I, when I started looking around. 
It's like, oh yeah, that's releasing this year. Oh, that's releasing this year. Oh, right. That, that was pushed to this year. Oh, that was from two years ago that uh, got can- uh, that nearly got canceled and people uh, forgot about. But not you, right? The lo- the solitary fan out there holding up the boombox in the air. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> in the background, Stairway to Heaven started to play, <laughs> and I'm not yeah. joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. My Pandora's actually started to play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> oh, nice. Well done, Pandora. Good timing. Good timing. Well, we started off with uh, Highway to the Danger Zone. Highway. Please don't. Danger Zone. I got it out of my system. I'm just going to have to get the mallet. We're on Skype, but we never do video chat because you don't have a a webcam, right? No. Well, that saves you from having to watch me dance badly while I sing badly. And, of course, this isn't a video podcast, so. Uh, It's all right. I'll I'll just imagine uh, a brunette Santa uh, being electrocuted. Maybe with a mild seizure. I'm not a brunette. Uh, I thought you had brown hair. sir. I do have brown hair. I have very dark brown hair. Although some of it, I'm starting to get some gray already. My hair's thinning. Probably in another ten years, I'm going to be fucking bald. (laughs) I'll miss my long hair when I'm an old man. No, you'll just go uh, full Larry Fine and just have uh, the long hair around the sides uh, puffed up. Three stooges. Yeah, sorry. Now I'm looking up. I typed in brunette just to make uh, get an idea of exactly what hair color brunette is because like i know brunette as a brunette as a brown well i, I was thinking a uh, more of a lighter brown not a darker brown no my hair's darker i think but i typed in brunette and i just i just get porn <laughs> <laughs> i just that, that, wanted just, a hair color that, that, well to be fair you can compare it a couple different spots uh, with porn <laughs> i guess so but it's like there's like the, some risque photos up here at the top, the, and then the, the, videos just sh- of broom. This just shows George's history, by the way. <laughs> then, then underneath the risque pictures are videos of brunette, and it's this girl with her ass hanging out, and she's. <laughs> it's, it's just straight porno. I went on the internet today, and I found straight pornography. Which, uh, for Jared's uh, monitor, is actually kind of uh, strange because usually it's a little gay. That's pretty safe for work. <laughs> All right. So, games we played? Well, games we played this week, yes. From pornography to games that we played. Yeah, Rach, what games yeah, which did you, you play this yeah, which week that were st- not pornography? Yeah, if we started with you, that would be a hell of a segue. It, it would be. Only two of my games feature light pornography. Yep. Actually, one of them features pretty heavy pornography. <laughs> yeah, mine, uh, my games were, was actually pretty light <laughs> because I spent a lot of time uh, going through game lists. Because, yeah, the uh, turns out Steam uh, Direct makes uh, searching the uh, Steam upcoming games a fucking impossible nightmare. So my first game kept popping up on Google Play, and I'm weird to see. Okay, is this ex- exactly what it looks like? And yes, it is. It's Carmen San Diego. Yes, it's exactly Carmen San Diego. Old Carmen oh San Diego with oh an my update. God. Install. <laughs> uh, uh, it's the Apple II version of Carmen Sandiego called San Diego Inc. I mean, this is pretty much the original Carmen Sandiego updated uh, to modern uh, trivia without the Carmen Sandiego license. That's it. I mean, I'm installing it right now. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen this because it, it, it wouldn't stop bugging me. Every time I went to the Google Play Store, this was, like, in the top five that was suggesting for me on several different fronts. 
I've never seen this before when I go to the Play Store. But my Play Store is always filled with porn, whatever minor, and um, this space sci-fi game. You know, it it may be a fun thing to see what exactly uh, our Play Stores uh, compare to at some point. Not today, though, but... Uh, yeah, uh, this kept popping up, uh, I guess because I do a lot of detective and puzzle games, and this is technically a uh, geography tri- uh, trivia game. And for those who've never played Calum in San Diego, first of all, I pity you. Second of all, download this app, because this is free. It has, uh, has ads, of course, because, you know, it is a free app, and that's usually how these things work. They're not too obtrusive. They uh, appear, I believe, just before a case starts, and then a case is... About five minutes. I mean, it's pretty much just the old Carmen San Diego game. I mean, there's not a lot to really say if you uh, never played it. You know, you are given a case, you go to a, a location, uh, search for clues, and you're given trivia, uh, essentially uh, trivia hits, hints like, uh, uh, the, yeah, I saw him, he was talking about uh, going to the uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. And then you look at your travel options. Oh, well, Paris is here. Uh, then you follow the uh, path, and occasionally the uh, hints also give you a hint on what the person looks like or what they enjoyed. You know, uh, novels that they were uh, quoting or artists that they enjoy, that sort of thing. And you do a press elimination to uh, get your warrant. You catch up to the uh, person, capture them, and rinse and repeat. And, and J- Jared's just probably playing this now. No, I'm just sitting here listening to you <laughs> describe Carmen San those who have never played Carmen San Diego. I mean, that's pretty much the game. It it's actually works really well as a mobile game, whatever you think about, it, because it's short bursts, uh, about I would say five or so minutes. Uh, granted, uh, as you uh, go higher ranks, it, the big thing about Carmen San Diego, which I'm not sure about this, but I assume that it's probably true because just how well they've replicated the original game was your time constraint because you have you're given a certain time frame to. Uh, capture the criminal bot otherwise you fail the case and uh once you uh, leveled up in the original game quite a bit it was pretty much you know you get two misses and you're done just because of the amount of time you use unless you're really good at you know figuring out where to go on one maybe two hints <clears throat> you go in the world to find carmen san diego mm-hmm. wherever she is hit it uh, rockapella <laughs> <laughs> No, this is lovely. I look forward to playing this 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 coming week, especially if the power goes out. Which hey, the power might go out because mm-hmm. it snowed today. So yay for living in a shitty place. I mean, hell, they even had uh, the original uh, fax machine that uh, <laughs> uh, style interface that they used in the uh, uh, Apple II version of this game. It's just a lovely recreation. I think my favorite Carmen San Diego game is Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, I remember playing that, but I spent most time uh, uh, with the original. So you know, uh, seeing this pop up constantly is like, fine, I'll try it. Huh, this is actually a loving recreation, and not just a complete ripoff. I mean, granted, it is a ripoff technically, but still, that this is a a better a, a better uh, ripoff than half the things on the App Store. This isn't a ripoff. It's an homage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's also suggested to me the Oregon Trail, which this looks nothing like the original Oregon Trail. So, which that that's what kind of sold me on uh, Carmen Inc. was just the fact that it looks so much like the original game. 
Yeah. So shall we move along to uh, my only non or uh, my only non mobile game? Sure. Let's hear about yeah, it. Yeah. So uh, since I spent so much time uh, going through game lists and uh, both uh, for the general topic and our uh, upcoming games, I ended up uh, breaking out the, another Blackwell game as yeah something to play for a couple hours to be able to get through. This is the third of the Blackwell uh, series, Blackwell Convergence. Uh, for those who missed me doing the previous two, this is a, it's technically not a, uh, a series, uh, a serial game or episodic game, uh, Telltale style, but the individual episodes are short enough that I, it's very hard not to compare the two, to be perfectly honest. They're only a couple hours each. And each episode or each installment of the series is five bucks normally. So it's very hard not to consider them an episodic series, especially when it's a continuous story. So in the first game, you met Rosalina Blackwell, the third generation of the uh, Blackwell family who's been haunted by this ghost, who is essentially a 1940s gangster slash detective. (laughs) Okay. And they go around uh solving paranormal mysteries. Uh the uh and the first uh, game was about them uh learning to work together. The second game was actually a flashback to originally Rose's aunt who had uh, the uh, ghost beforehand and uh how she dealt with this uh woman called the Countess. Well, okay. And the Blackwell Convergence, the the first two stories converge, hence the name. And you encounter the Countess again, 20 years after the fact, uh, from the second game, and deal with some more mysteries. I don't want to go too much into this, just because there's a a fair amount of story uh, uh, twists and turns. Green, I will go through the rest of the series, because I have all five of them. Uh, but... It's an interesting way to see them tie the first two episodes together that I wasn't really expecting, to be perfectly honest. Because when I originally played the second episode, I thought that the second episode would have made a lot better intro to the game series. And I still do, but I see why they set the things up like they did. To make the Countess a lot more fresh in my mind. To be able to see the connections a lot easier. If they had the two games swapped... It wouldn't be as obvious, even though it would be chronological, be in chronological order. Okay. So it's an interesting way to uh, deal with that. Uh, the production of the game has in, uh, has uh, improved. My primary complaint about the first two games was a pop filter, motherfucker. And they still have uh, some of that, but not nearly as intense. Granted, the ghost Joey uh, doesn't scream nearly as much now. So that may be part of it because he was the biggest offender. Art improved. Overall, uh, puzzle uh, quality has improved. There was a lot of going back and forth uh, to uh, Rosa's apartment to search something on the internet, to find an address, to go somewhere else. But granted, that is detective work. So I could kind of forgive that. But at the same time, it's also a little bit frustrating. Okay. But overall, it's an interesting game series so far. Um. Interested to see where they uh, take it in the fourth and the fifth installments. It, this uh, series is actually completely done, so 
as far as I understand, there won't be more Blackwell games after the fifth one. But they do have a fairly good staple of uh, their point-and-click games. They did, uh, I believe they did uh, Resonance, which is another supposedly really good point-and-click game that I haven't uh, looked in. Well, I picked it up, but I haven't played it yet. Oh, they were the publisher for it. So they have quite a few point-and-click games under their belt. But so far, it, uh, the quality is improving on these games. I would, I would, I would strongly suggest if you play these, uh, keep at it after the first two because the first one is absolutely the worst so far. It has the worst intro uh, to a game series I've really seen. Just that first puzzle was fucking annoying, and it made absolutely no sense. But then okay. again, that's kind of just how point-and-click games really work. Is that moon logic, you know? Moon, yeah, moon logic. You know, I, I, I don't want to interrupt her, even. Uh, even though I really need to talk to that person. Uh, here, I'll just uh, get her dog to walk around the, uh, uh, the parking meter a few times so she gets stuck and starts barking. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because that's better than just walking up and saying, excuse me, can I talk to you for just a moment? Yeah. Yeah, granted, it does kind of make sense for the uh, character at the very start because she's very non-confrontational. And it wasn't until after that that she uh, met Joey and uh, kind of grew a backbone. And she's a lot more assertive uh, in the third game, so it makes a lot of sense. There was a six-month time jump, if I recall correctly, from the first game to the third. There's character growth. Yeah. Yeah, and granted, uh, Joey at the beginning was also very grumpy, but then again, he was also haunting a hospital at bedside for 20 years. <laughs> so I can understand that. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, the way the uh, Blackwell Ghost works, or Blackwell Legacy is what he calls it, which is the title of the first game is that uh, he could not leave uh, uh, his host, whoever is the current uh, uh, yeah, holder of the Blackwell legacy, essentially. Uh, can, he could only go a certain range. And something happened to her aunt, which caused her to fall into a coma for 20 years. So he was stuck in uh, the, inti- yeah, the intensive care unit of a hospital. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. With a coma patient. So I can understand why he was grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, at least there'd be TV. Something. It's better than nothing. Uh, well, they also... Well, this is part of the reason why she has to constantly go back to her apartment, is that he actually blocks radio signals or causes disturbances because he's a ghost. Yeah, ooh. So, mm. uh, yeah, wireless signals like uh, television until they got cable wouldn't work around him. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, they actually point that out quite a few times and actually comes into play a few times in the puzzles uh, for the third game. Using it to your advantage? Yeah. Yeah, disturbing wireless internet. I think it takes place around 2010 when these games were releasing. Because there's wireless internet, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, Wi-Fi routers are uh, uh, common enough that they appear in businesses uh, pretty frequently. But see, that doesn't make any sense because it makes sense. Yeah. You see, see what I'm saying there? Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. It's, uh, <laughs> it's normal logic instead of moon logic. Yeah, it's just whenever they throw the odd things at you, uh, especially, well, probably my biggest complaint with the story in the third one was the, the story kind of petered out after a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get this other link to the story that kind of ties three individual murders together, just completely out of the blue. Yeah, just uh, 
you know, deus ex machina almost, you know? Yo, God just uh, suddenly starts hanging out at this one place uh, that you unlocked uh, pre- uh, about two or well, about about two days before, and until that point, it made no reason. There was no reason to go there. You'd go there, and you know, it's like nothing's here. Right. No, no, right. That, they, that, uh, they got the right level of narrativium to uh, to sprinkle around the place, and suddenly the character showed up. Uh, pretty much. Or would it be more plutonium? <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my two biggest complaints was a lot of backtracking to you know do less than thirty seconds of uh, typing on the computer to go find another place to go to, and yeah, there was a odd uh, link to a third murder that uh, caused the story to restart essentially or go into the second act. But overall, I uh, enjoyed it, so there is that. Well, that's good. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. So how about we go from a detective game to a detective game? All right. Detective me up. Uh, you just want my private dick. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> okay, so this was something else that kept popping up on my uh, Google Play uh, queue, and I decided to try it out. It's called Another Case Solved. This is... Close, but not quite to uh, my first pitch of game talking about uh, private detective uh, business sim. This doesn't have the business sim aspect, but it handles uh, individual investigations interestingly, where it's all broken down into a series of mini games uh, and essentially logic puzzles, for the uh, with the exception of. I'm not really sure if you'd call this match three because it's not quite, you know, bejeweled. But you, uh, okay. Well, uh, well, let, let's uh, go into the uh, story so far because I'm only in the first chapter so far. Uh, you uh, are a uh, starting private detective in a city that has banned sugar. Yes. In other words, yeah, the worst possible place for me to live, and you deal with. Essentially, petty cases for now. And, uh, you know, uh, lost cats, that sort of thing. But it all seems to be tying together into the end of the first chapter. And that's the story missions. And there's individual missions where you just go out and collect clues and do essentially the first minigame over and over again to build up for the story missions. Uh, but it's all tied into a series of minigames. The primary minigame, uh, when you're out walking around, talking to people and gathering clues, is... Uh, this sort of match three draw a, a, a collect cl- uh, a thon. You can see on the third screenshot the all the uh, looks like a match three game, but it's yep. not quite that. You're uh, drawing and uh, trying to match five or attempt or you know, as close as possible. And as you uh, meet different witnesses, they have different requirements. For example, you may need to collect uh, twenty of the shoe icons overall uh, to unlock that witness to move on to the next one. And you usually have two or three appearing at the top of the screen at once. And the idea is to uh, collect as many as possible, but also try to get as many uh, multiples of five to unlock a secondary thing that could pop up. For example, collecting five magnifying glasses unlocks a fingerprint, which another witness may need. 
And it, okay. it's, a, I'm not describing it quite right because I'm not sure what to call this. It's not match uh, three, but it's a similar concept, but you're uh, drawing the lines individually. And it's not timed. It's, well, it is timed, but it's not a timer. You have a turn timer. Uh, my big complaint with uh, the game is this uh, mini game, mostly because it's a little finicky to try to draw the connections. You're able to draw in between the individual icons in any of the eight directions. And it could sometimes uh, not quite go the way you're wanting. Okay. Do you know uh, what to call this uh, type of uh, mini game? Because uh, mm. I'm really not doing it justice. It's it's an interesting idea, particularly when you tie it into the detective. Because uh, as you level up, you gain additional skills and you're able to use additional tools to try to tip the scales in your favor. For example, if you're uh, dealing with essentially just a board that has a lot of nothing, you could wipe it clean and uh, get a new board. Or uh, be able to collect non-matched items to try to clear up to get a better match yeah i don't i don't know what that you know what i'm talking but you're i know you're understanding what i'm talking about it's just yeah uh, i get what you're saying it's just uh, it's tough to really uh put a genre label to it yeah i don't know if it has a specific name like gameplay name or whatever you know Mm -hmm. or if it is a a genre but i know what you're talking about i've seen this in other games before yeah Um, i just don't play enough mobiles to really even uh, attempt to uh, give it a uh, name but Okay, you have this, and this also essentially powers the rest of your investigation. So, uh, building up a lot of uh, of the different types of clues and stuff uh, pays off later in your investigation for the story missions, because you also get then, uh, let's say you do all your clues, and then it tells you, okay, well, the album that you're looking for, which was one of the last ones I was uh, doing, uh, uh, the guy that bought it uh, lives three blocks away from a uh, coffee uh, uh, shop and then uh, two blocks away from the waterfront. And you have to look at the map and figure out where it is. Thankfully, you, you could uh, you know, toggle between the clues to be able to you know, see, oh, well, that's uh, that block is still lining up. That block is still lining up. And these are also powered by the maps that you get through the first mini game. And also uh, be able to use the uh, footprint icons from the first mini game. You see how this kind of ties together, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then there's two other mini games that sometimes pop up, depending on the case. There's a searching, uh, you know, just ransacking a place, looking around, which is based on time uh, and intuition, where you go into each room and it gives you essentially a hot or cold beater. And you get to a certain point on that meter, and then you know it's in that room somewhere, and you look in the individual uh, 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 items in the room. Once again, there's uh, tools and skills that improve your chances on all of these as you level up and improve your character. And also, outfit your office also gives you some benefits and access to more tools. And then there's the, uh, the lineup one, which is probably my favorite of the group, even though it doesn't show up that often, you're given a bunch of mugshots, essentially, and you're told to uh, ask uh, three questions, and you have to essentially play guess who. You look at uh, the group and try to figure out, okay, what questions would eliminate the most people out of this? And it's a very 
interesting way to do a, a matchup because it's, for one, it actually uses the game models. So if you ask, for example, okay, does the guy have a big nose? Oh, he does. Well, I could match out or click off this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And it makes you really sit down and deduce what is going on. I really like that, too. That's a good idea for yeah. how to do it. Yeah, that's like I said, that's my favorite one, but it shows up the least often. But, um, yeah, maybe that's for the best, you know. It, it, yeah, it makes it a treat. And once again, right. all these uh, mini games have their own individual tools and uh, skills that pop up. And as you uh, complete your uh, story cases, for lack of a better term, you gain stars, which you unlock uh, the individual skills in the uh, talent tree. For example, the uh, searching mini game, I have a skill that gives me an f- extra five minutes, which essentially gives me an extra room to go into. Or, uh, which, yeah, I know five minutes sounds like a lot, but it's also, you know, looking around trying to figure out, okay, where could it be? So it kind of makes sense on that front. Or, you know, there's uh, a, a skill that, or for the witness one, that if you get a brass knuckles, which is matching five of a, of a particular thing, then you could randomly remove an innocent person and maybe make your job a little bit easier. So the skills do play a part, and leveling up does play a part. It's a uh, it's an interesting game, and it's pretty good for a pick-up-and-play or you know, more long duration. It has uh, a timer on it on how many of these small cases you could get at a time. Uh, so it's not something that you could sit and play for a huge amount of time. Oh, well, of course, you could just yeah, pay uh, in, but I'm, I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> Indeed. Is that where the, the monetization yeah, comes yeah, in, just the, pay to get more yeah, time? Yeah, the monetization comes cases. in on uh, two fronts. There's a timer for the uh, newspapers, which is your small cases that give you uh, money. And also, as you solve more cases, you gain notoriety and unlock the story cases. And they're already starting to get a, you know, a, a little bit further apart. I have to solve five small cases now to get the last of the story cases for the first chapter. Or it looks like the last one, which isn't that bad. Each uh, of the newspaper cases is, I would say, less than five minutes. It's just the uh, the uh, match five uh, thing, you know, draw line thing. So that's not too bad. And you get a new newspaper every 10 or 15 minutes and you, they stack up to five. So you could do a, you know, a quick burst of a few of them, uh, close the game, come back later. Uh, the monetization comes in also on a premium currency called candies, which you also could uh, search your office occasionally and uh, get some uh, twice a day, once every 12 hours. Or uh, during your case, they could also pop up. So you do get a trickle income of them, and they're used to unlock the higher end uh, level of the skills. And for some... Uh, uh, customization, your uh, detective or uh, furniture, which also impacts certain things because uh, getting certain furnitures uh, give you a, a free use of a tool for uh, each case, that sort of thing, or unlock other tools. It doesn't seem to be too uh, uh, much, though, so it's not that big a deal. And you also have to choose between which uh, furniture you have because uh, certain... Uh, Furniture 
categories you can only have one of. Like, for example, you could have a group of post-it notes, a blackboard, or something else on your desk. And each one gives you a, a free use of a particular tool <clears throat> for a case. But you could only choose one. And each one of those is the non-premium currency, which you could also do a conversion. Actually, uh, uh, the candies into the uh, non-premium currency or paid cur- uh, paid money into the premium currency. So technically, you can pay to skip. But honestly, it's uh, not really worth it because you still have to level up your detective anyway. Or at least it seems that way. Sounds pretty good. I might actually try that one out, too. Yeah, it's not bad so far. Uh, like I said, it's very minigame focused, though. So if you don't like one of the particular minigames or absolutely hate one of them, then it's definitely a non-starter for you. Yeah. It sounds like I like them or at least not hate them. So I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, uh, I'd say it really uh, pays off mostly on how well you do on the first minigame because it... uh pays off to do uh, long chains and build up a lot of the uh, secondary uh, clues. That's what they call them, clues, the different icons, to be able to use different abilities because certain abilities are, you know, some of them are once per case and that's it. Some of them are fueled by uh, individual of uh, the clues. For example, swapping a, a different clues around is uh, some of the lockpicks or some of the key icons. So you have to burn some of those to be able to swap an icon. But if you do that, you may be able to come out ahead because you could do a longer chain of the keys to be able to get a secondary thing. So it's a it's a trade-off. And learning that trade-off and be able to use your tools effectively pays dividends. Right. It sounds good. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good uh, bubble game. And that's fr- coming from me. <laughs> yeah, that means something. Yeah, you can see it screenshots. Must be a pretty good mobile game. Yeah, you can see screenshots of the map game uh, on uh, the other screenshots here. There's the map, and the, there's the train. Choo choo. Just give it a moment. I think one of your train drivers came through my town the other day. <laughs> I was sitting in the living room doing something, and I just for literally for like two or three minutes i'm like what the what the hell is going on out there did you derail <laughs> a bus of nuns sitting on the tracks <laughs> uh but yeah you can see on the other screenshots the uh, uh well at least two of the other mini games there's it doesn't show you the searching mini game but you can see the map game with indivi- uh, the individual clues and once again different skills and different uh abilities that make that easier or harder depending on your choices and uh the witness minigame you can see how that plays out uh somewhat you can see you know uh the individual bug shots and uh and yes that one guy in the corner does have a horse mask on and yes you can get that for your detective nice definitely want to wear the horse mask and as your detective levels up you also unlock more customization things of course right of course. But overall, Gotta not bad. play Fashion Detective. Well, uh, well, Fashion Frame is uh, in-game Warframe, so why not uh, Fashion Detective? Fashion Dick. Well, you gotta make your dick look pretty. It's, call- it's <laughs> called manscaping. Yeah, it is. You know it. Um. Anyways, okay, cool. Is that... Yeah. Awesome. Well, then we will shall move on to my games. I have four this week. The first one up is... Galactic Crew, 
Are you familiar with the Firefly game that got canceled? Was it in 2016? I believe. Not really. Uh, it was initially going to be a mobile game, and then they decided to make it a full-fledged MMO, and the game went through some massive redesigns. Oh, yeah, make, it, some time make in, an MMO. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Spent some time in development hell, and then basically died. And there's been, you know, a, a thing here, a thing there about it, but I think someone saw that and went, I'm going to try and copy that, except instead of making an MMO, I'll just leave it single player. Um... This game you is a, is a rogue light uh, where you. Create I mean, I have this. I think review copy. <laughs> yeah, I got it as a, a review copy from Keymailer a week or two ago, I think. Um, but anyways, you so you create a captain, and initially you you don't have anything. Obviously, you have the worst ship, and you don't have any captain skills or anything like that. Uh, and you enter the the galaxy, and you go from system to system. And you do stuff. And depending on which captain you create, because there's various roles. You can be combat-focused, trade-focused, or exploration-focused. And you get different bonuses or penalties. And also, whichever one you choose can drastically change the game. For example, the explorer-focused character doesn't actually get any of the map revealed. Uh, You have to explore the entire map but you use less resources to make uh, hyperspace jumps. The trade focus character starts with additional money and can do a couple extra things earlier on at space stations. Um, and then the combat focus character starts with a, a better starting weapon, um, but you generate what's known as threat, which means that pirates will come chase you down. But you go from system to system and this top-down pseudo-isometric view. And when you jump into systems, it's sort of that FTL thing where the thing will pop up. And there's an activity in the system or a ship or something. And then you have to decide what to do. Um, there's planets you can land on, stations you can dock at. You can board other ships. And sometimes if you come across like a derelict ship, you can board it and get another little questy thing or resources. But sometimes pirates will jump you, etc. Um, it's super rough, and not only in graphics. Um, you know, I can handle a game that doesn't look great, but it. I mean, this is an early access game that's fairly early in development. It released into early access at the end of September last year, so it's been out for three and a half months, roughly. Yeah, that's why I originally didn't uh, do anything with it. Was that it looked too rough for me to really be able to give it a fair shake. It seems like it's got some promise as long as some of the later game things stack up okay. Um, You have a crew that you manage which can give you bonuses based on what type of crew member they are. Uh, Obviously, it's a roguelite, so um, when you fail, you get to carry over some stuff into your next character playthrough. Uh, And you can your, your character as you level up and the skills that you unlock they stay with the character, but you have to restart everything else. Um, or, you know, restart from scratch on everything else. But you can swap at will between, or swap on restarts between soldier, uh, merchant, and explorer. So you can quickly get some bonuses for, like, all the low-level stuff. And within three or four playthroughs, you could probably get a little bit farther. I'm trying to unlock the next ship that has an additional... Um, like bay that I can put equipment in, 
so that I can get uh, a transporter and go down to planets or transport onto certain things that I can't just dock with. Because there's a lot of events you come up to and it's like, you can't do this because you don't have a transporter. And I could put a transporter on, but that I'd have to sacrifice either my shield generator or what's the other thing I'd have to sacrifice? Life support. One of, something else. Yeah, sh- shields or something else. And then if I did that, I would die because the starting ship has got a really, really just shitty laser on it. And if it wasn't for my shields, I would die every time I got into combat. Um, but there's quite a few ships, it looks like, that are already in place that you can get now. There's a fairly wide variety of systems and things that you can use. So it looks like it's got potential as long as it continues to be developed. I want to check out the planet stuff before I just put it down for a while. But I think I'd actually like to come back to this game. Because, you know, me and sci-fi and all of that jazz. Um, I would say, though, don't buy it. Well, it's that weird, like, Catch-22. I would say don't buy it because it's not in a good state. But, but if you don't time, buy it, yeah. then the devs don't get money. Um, if this ever goes on sale for, like, five bucks and you want, like, a sci-fi roguelite that you can pretend you're in Firefly in, this would get the job done for a few hours. But otherwise, it's not worth the $20 price. It's just not there yet. Looks like they're trying to do a co-op multiplayer. I have no idea how that would work. I guess crewing the ship, each person could man a station that, or that something. That looks but... like it. Uh, I, I just went to their uh, to the Steam page and looking at the uh, news info, and it looks like they're wanting to do four-player co-op. I mean, I guess that would work. This does the whole FTL thing where that if you have a crew member man a station, that station gets a bonus, and then over time the crew levels up at that station. So I could see how that would work, but... The crew interface is kind of clunky right now, but it might not be so bad if you're only controlling one character. I don't know. I would. I hope this game gets some more development that makes it a much more viable product. I feel like this is something that should be sort of alpha testing and not up for sale. Yeah. But, you know, we live in this world where everything just alphas. gets posted to Steam. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I'm, I'm, I try not to be a graphic snob, but damn, this looks rough. It does look really rough. But, like I said, it, it really doesn't bother me. It gets the job done. Some of the ship designs do look pretty cool, too. They've only got, a, like, three featured in the screenshots. But there's some pretty pretty big ships. I mean, you start in, like, the equivalent of a frigate or maybe a corvette. And, obviously, you can work your way all the way up to, you know, a super freighter or carrier that have like 10 customizable internal bulkheads and multiple weapons and drones and stuff like that. So like I said, it's got promise, but it doesn't have enough right now to keep me held for very long. Well, it looks like it at least has some sort of community going around it. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the other thing is early, a lot of early access games, they release in cricket. Yeah. I haven't delved too deeply into the, the forums, but, Hey, look at it this way. It's all English that I could see. Yeah. Which sure as hell beats uh, going to the PUBG forums. Yeah. So, you know, a game with promise, but right now, not much more than just a couple bucks to go play with, is what I would say. I don't know if it was on sale during the Steam sale. Uh, Looks like it was for $13 and some change. It still seems a little much for what it is right now. Yeah, five bucks or less. 
at its current state is what I would say this is worth for a curiosity. A couple hours of, of... So, next game on my list is Gratuitous Tank Battles. So, I've played uh, Gratuitous Space Battles, and I like that quite a lot. Yeah, I have a few hours in this. I remember putting it down. I, I don't think I really cared for it that much. Yeah, I played it for about two and a half hours, and in some ways, I like it better than Gratuitous Space Battles, and others, I don't. So, Gratuitous Tank Battles, obviously, tanks and mechanized units, as in mechs and infantry soldiers that you can customize to send out. And instead of it just being sort of a, you start on this side of the map, and they start on this side of the map, and all hell ensues, um, this is a tower defense, and then reverse tower defense. There's a couple of missions in, like, this campaign that basically serves as a glorified tutorial and way for you to unlock all of the parts for customizing um, that you go through. And there's a couple of them that only allow you to do one, either attack or defend. Although I haven't beaten the campaign yet, so if that gets, if that persists later on. But aside from the first couple of missions, they're all, you can do both as the attacker and the defender. Um, and it's exactly what I said on the 10, tower defense and reverse tower defense. So in case you're not aware, reverse tower defense is you control the attackers and send in waves of units. Uh, and honestly, the the most fun part of the game is also sort of the most frustrating, which is the customizing uh, screen. Yeah, these games, the customization do, menu. Or this and uh, Gratuitous uh, Space Battles had some amazing customization on the ships, but yeah, then it just turned into pretty much a screenshot uh, generator or a screensaver. And yeah. this was pretty much the same, was it? There wasn't uh, that much gameplay. No, no. Although the uh, the design mode in tank battles is a little bit more restrictive than it is in, in space battles. Because in, in space battles, you have basically whole classes of ships that you could customize their looks of. You know, different like warp nacelles, or nacelles? nacelles, for example, and other things like that, plus colors. And then they had basically an amount of power. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but, you know, they have so much types of modules they can support per whole class, and you put whatever you want on it. Yeah, it was usually restricted. Uh, weapons were the big restriction, and they had to be certain... Uh, uh, they could only fit in certain places on the ship. Right. Whereas in gratuitous tank battles, each and every unit, uh, infantry, vehicle, or mech, and then turret, because you can design the turrets as well have got slots that can only fit one of each thing. So one weapon, one type of armor, one thing that gives it like a bonus, you know, like a, some sort of gun sight or something Yeah, which like makes that. it very uh, maxi and not a yeah. lot of variation, if I recall correctly. Right. Uh, some of the like gigantic units, like the... Mechs. Um, the, this really heavy mechs and the really heavy tanks have a couple of additional slots for things, but otherwise that's all of the customization you get outside of um, the color choices and then different types of um, just visual stuff. Um, like there, Usually there's a couple of different types of turrets you could put on and a couple of different types of weapon weapons, although it's usually just like, okay, this weapon represents any type of cannon. This weapon represents any type of missile launcher. This weapon represents any type of machine gun. And that's sort of how they break up. Some of them have a little more variation, but in general, that's what you get. The turrets actually have the most customization because you can put any base on any turret and 
you can make any turret into or any turret class into any type of of turret so there's a whole bunch of mixing and matching you can do with the uh, visual appearance of your turrets but as far as the tanks and the mechs go there's very little variation in their opinion uh, their appearance and then the infantry you can't really tell the difference at all once you get outside of the customization screen because they're just tiny little dots unless you zoom all the way in which is pretty much pointless because then you can't see what's going on so you're going to lose the tower defense portions it does have a map creator so you can make custom maps for yourself to run you can upload them online for others to compete against you or to compete on for high score but there's no direct multiplayer so you know you and i couldn't play together and i attack and you defend Mm -hmm. which sucks because that would be pretty cool i think Um, it would just be sort of score attack on custom levels we create it's not a bad game. Um, I do like tower defense quite a bit, so that's yeah, and this sort of doesn't the have the, grace for this game. The amazing that this tower defense has. Yeah, this is yeah, uh, all of these are this just is, preset. Yeah, this is fixed uh, path uh, tower defense. Yeah, so that's sort of the saving grace of this game for me. But I was disappointed by the lack of overall customization. I mean, there are tons of options, and you can do tons of things with the color palette and. You know, you can have bright pink and purple mechs, as I do, and, you know, bright green and yellow tanks, as I do, but, you know, there's only so many... Yeah, you do uh, know that there's such a thing as camouflage, right? Not in this game, there's not. Um, But, you know, there's only a certain amount of other combinations you can make, and yes, it's very, very min-maxi. It's like, well, you know, if I'm gonna go with cannons on this one i guess i might as well go for the level five cannon because that's the highest one i have there's no benefit to going with the level four there's some tiny variations and stats in weapon groups but generally it's you know cannons do the most damage against armor and are slightly less accurate than uh lasers but they do less damage against armor but are better against shields it's like so you i mean you do have some variety in that respect but you know if i'm gonna make a laser tank i'm just gonna go for the best laser that i have and as soon as i unlock a better laser i'm gonna redesign the tank and then delete the old one so i don't accidentally deploy it in battle um there are when you create custom maps there are certain restrictions you can set like all of these parts have sort of a power score well no it's not the power score the power score just determines how much it costs to place it on the on the field so, you know, you have your resources just like in a tower defense game and you have to decide uh, more cheaper units or less but more powerful ones. You know, that deal. Uh, these The eras prevent you from doing things like using lasers, for example. So you could go to a, a World War One or World War Two era battle and that restricts it to just machine guns and cannons and flamethrowers and unguided rockets. And then you can go to like... Uh, like a Cold War era, and then that gives you missiles and things like that. And then you can go to like the future era, and then you can have mechs and lasers and shields and stuff like that. But, I mean, I might could see the appeal in that, but also it's kind of like, well, why would I do that if I just want to have a line of giant pink and purple super mechs with, I don't know, dildo-looking cannons or something? Because there is there is a cannon that looks like a dildo. I should take a screenshot of it, actually, now that I think of it. But... I looked at that and I was like, that's just a dildo on the top of my tank. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I am okay with this. So, I mean, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'll probably beat the campaign all the way through as attackers and defenders and then just be done with it. 
It does. It just to me, it doesn't have the same sort of replayability as Gratuitous Space Battles because the customization is a little bit more lacking than it was in Space Battles. But it's not a bad game. It's just not a great game. So how much man, does it cost? It's been out for bucks. a few years now. Ten bucks. Yeah, maybe if you really like tower defense um, and you also like customizing things. Yeah, sure. Um, but it's regularly been and on also sale has a DLC for less than that five. Adds a lot. Uh, yeah, I would say wait for sale for this. Yeah. Oh, there is DLC. I don't have the DLC. What is this supposed to add? Maps, weapons, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Like you do. Th- that might fix some of the customization issues then, just having more stuff. But if you just get the original, it's lacking in customization, which is a pretty big part of the game. So, you know, it comes down to your personal preference. It's definitely worth five bucks or less. It's up to you whether or not you want to spend 10 bucks on it. To me, it's not worth it, but it might be to you. All right, I'm going to take a quick sip of water. Mmm, delicious. Now let's carry on to my next game, which is one of the ones that I've been super excited to talk about. Uh, it is Lady Killer in a Bind. Lady Killer in a Bind is a visual novel where you play as an LGBT female. Um, I'm not 100% sure if she's bisexual or a lesbian. I don't at least in the scenes that I played through on my first playthrough of the game, she never specifically says what she is. Most people refer to her as a lesbian, but she might also be bisexual because I know that there's a route where you can go where that you have sex with a boy. Um, so other words, not choosy. Just, I don't... <laughs> yeah, she's very not choosy. Very, very not choosy. So, uh, Lady Killer in a Bind is an excellent visual novel that does quite a few things really well and a couple of things that I've never seen in other visual novels before. I'm going to be as pretty much spoiler-free, maybe a couple of things from the very beginning of the game, but otherwise I can talk about this without being without being spoilery. Um, first of all, on the sort of what this does differently as a visual novel front, the way that it handles conversations is something that I've never seen before. So you are having to interact with people on quite a regular basis and... As you go through conversations with people, you'll get different dialogue options, as you do in a visual novel. Um, But these options will go away as part of the conversation, and you might get different ones depending on what choices you make. So as you're having a conversation with someone and you just, if you keep clicking through and don't pick on one of the dialogue options, eventually it will go gray, which means that it's the last chance you have to say that before it goes away. And the next time you click through, that dialogue option will go away. Because it uses what I would say is like a realistic conversation system. Because in a lot of visual novels or video games in general, you can always go back and say, you know, ask your whatever questions you wanted to. You know, go through the giant wall of questions as we do in Divinity. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in real life, conversations don't really look like that or work like that. Eventually, you know, it gets too far away from whatever was said to carry on with that point. So tell me about uh, television. What? I was making a joke. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, and and the way that these dialogue options are handled, sometimes you know it's it's better to wait, just like in real life, instead of blurting out the first thing that comes to your mind, for the conversation to move on a little. Uh, and depending on what type of character you're trying to play, it might be beneficial to skip certain dialogue options or to pursue certain dialogue options, depending on what character you're talking to, and also what sort of outcome you're trying to get. 
because there is a gameplay mechanic in this that plays into the overall story. There's this, uh, they call it the game, where that you are trying to get points to win this competition. You're on a cruise ship, and you are impersonating your twin brother. Uh, so there's this suspicion and points mechanic and nobody there's, well, there's a few people on the ship who know that you are impersonating your brother, but most people don't. And so as you go through conversations with these people, there will be dialogue options that will give you suspicion could, because you're obviously, you know, they know your brother and you're not acting like your brother, but that could be used to your advantage because you could use that to manipulate people because your brother is known to be really manipulative. So they're like, well, that's not like you, but maybe you're just manipulating me. So you can get away with it. And if you get too much suspicion, though, they figure it out and you lose. So you've got this risk-reward system going into these conversations. So as the dialogue options pop up and then go away, you're like, well, should I say that? Can I really risk the suspicion right now? Um, Or should I not? So it has a really compelling dialogue system that can come up with some pretty unique results. And there's plenty of stuff I had to skip because uh, my suspicion was too high for that day. So I was like, I can't, I can't take any more chances. I have to, I have to play it safe and not do the suspicious thing. And there were definitely several character routes that I completely missed because I couldn't open up the dialogue options because I didn't want to take the extra suspicion. Um, there's a total of like eight characters, I think, that you can go through. Now you're on the cruise ship for six days, and most days you have three chances to interact with other characters. Um, occasionally you only get two because of a scripted events or because of scripted events that happen uh, based on character interactions you've had. But usually you get three, which will give you enough uh, chances within the six days to completely go through three character storylines. And then and potentially a fourth one based on the nighttime character. Because there's two characters that you get to spend the night with each night. That each have their own routes and positives and negatives to staying with them. And dramatically change the outcome of the story based on which one you go with. So your choices really matter. It's got a really interesting and unique dialogue system that I'm not seeing in another visual novel. Um, I mean, it might be borrowing from something else. But I haven't played a ton of visual novels. I've played maybe two dozen in total. And most of those are like schlocky games. I've only played a few serious ones. And there is a quite a bit of sex in this, but it's not schlocky sex. Which it kind of sells itself as being schlocky because the opening, like on the Steam page, it says, an erotic romantic comedy about social manipulation, cross-dress- cross-dressing, and girls tying up other girls. Which says, oh, this is going to be a schlocky game. But and instantly it handles... Sold it handles the sexuality aspect really, really, really well. And is much more like erotica than just a schlocky, booby visual novel. Um, the writing is really on point, especially when it comes to the more erotic side of the game. The The dialogue between characters is, you know, it has some good points. It has some poor points. Uh, this is a, a small dev team, I believe. I don't think this is just one person. I think it's a small team. But the the writing in general is pretty good. Nowhere near as hit or miss as Gender Bender, um, but not as good as uh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank. The visual novel we did for Game Club. If my heart had wings. Uh, if my heart had wings. Yeah, thank you. It's not as good as that, but it's not as bad as you know your typical 
Sakura or whatever schlocky game. But then when it comes to the dialogue that has to do with um, sex in the game, really, really spot on, really good, really on point. Um, makes a lot of sense in the context of the game. Huge themes in this game revolve around um, BDSM and other sort of taboo sexual kinks. Uh, and it handles them really properly in a really adult manner and tries to really convey um, proper connection and conversation between participants in these sexual activities and what consent is and things like that. Um, it really good and also really hot. Um, so it's not a schlocky game. Um, I can't think of any schlocky moments at all with any of the character relations. You know, there's some bits that can be a bit silly, but that's when they're trying to be humorous and there's, you know, funny dialogue between characters. It also feels very real too. They've got some characters in there that are not understanding, that are not open people that are very close minded and one character that's like a bigoted asshole. So that's an, an interesting thing to have to deal with. And they handle that on a really mature level. Uh, at one point in time, this no longer exists in the game, and I didn't even go down the route which would have led me to this scene anyways, but at one point in time, this game had a, a rape scene, which they removed after massive backlash. Uh, you can still go get the original script for that, and I'm going to once I go down that character path, but I I heard that it was handled very maturely, but that most people weren't ready for that, so we'll see how that goes. After all, but, it's just uh, a game. But, Sorry. Uh, otherwise... <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I just can't help being you know, a little facetious there because there's that kind of double-edged sword of games need to grow up, but then they hit on mature subjects and it becomes just a game. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But no, this game handles mature content incredibly, incredibly well. It was very well written, very mature. Um, it does have, without any patches, it has full-blown nudity. Uh, there's boobies and vaginas. I don't know if there's any penises, but it it has a safe for work mode, which everyone basically just wears sexy, skimpy outfits if you turn that on. But otherwise, yeah, there's plenty of full blown nudity in this game, which is interesting because it came out more recently than a lot of the games that have triggered the Steam's anti nudity. Well, maybe this whatever. wasn't big enough. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know, but. Yeah, this is a couple that, years old now, or a year and a half old now. Yeah, but that's really about all I can get into without starting to spoil the main overall story. Um, characters do feel pretty well real, I will say. As a as a therapist, they're not. I don't think there's any characters that are stereotypes or caricatures. Some of them seem that way at first, but then once you get to know them a little bit better, then it, you know, they start to become okay. Like I see that I see why that person behaves this way because of this social stigma or whatever. And they're not actually that. So, uh, I did discover that I got one of the most difficult endings on my first try. I'm not sure if that's because I play games a lot. And so I know how to, you know, min max to win, or if it's because I just sort of figured out what all of the characters were doing and was just really good at manipulating them. But what does it say I, about you? I don't know. I don't know, 
but I like I won the game and got all of the sort of like quote unquote best outcomes on my first try. And uh, then uninstall. Well, I'm going to go back through and play it a couple of times cuz like I said there were at least 3 character arcs that I did not touch at all. And then there were two that I only got to do a couple of their scenes with. Most characters have 4 to 6 or no, yeah, 4 to 6 scenes depending on um just the character that they are and what their part in the story is. So, and then there's also the completely different nighttime route. But it's a really good game. I was really impressed and surprised because, like I, you know, when I when I told you, I didn't realize uh, how what was it I said? I didn't realize how erotic this game was going to be, or something like that. But that was because I thought it was a booby game, not that it didn't have sex in it or whatever. So, good game, much better in terms of like storytelling and things like that than Genderbender was. Speaking of which, but. Yeah, speaking of which, so I'm just going to go for full spoilers this time. I have to talk about the ending of this game. I played the last four stories. Uh, so did on, your like, Aramorph show up? Uh, No, no, but there was a giant naked dragon lady. Of course there was. So uh, one of the main problems that I had with it last time was I kept saying like tonal whiplash, how they would just go back and forth between Sirius and Shlocky. Uh, and they didn't really do either one justice until they gave up on the serious storytelling and went super schlock. Well, story number 10 tries to do a, a completely serious story again, and they did do a pretty good job, I will say. Uh, the writing for this particular storyline was better than any of the other stories. Um, it was about a character who suffered from gender dysphoria and was already in the process of transitioning from male to female. Uh, she was on hormone therapy at, at that stage. So she'd gone through, uh, well, that saved a lot of money. Yeah. She'd gone through counseling and was already on, on hormone replacement therapy, which takes a couple of years. Um, you know, there's some variances in how people react to it. And also different countries have different medical standards for how to deal with it. But, she had just started, so she was looking at two to three years. And then she's caught up in the accident. The first accident gets turned into a female. And that was one of the thoughts that she had. She was like, well, I guess this saves me a lot of time and, and money. But um, she, you know, she was already wanting to transition. And you go through her story as she's adjusting to life as a female, talks to some friends and family about what it's like to finally feel comfortable in her own skin uh, it's the only story that has someone who is not open, who is a bigoted asshole against trans people. And so she deals with him in a pretty proper way. There's no schlock at all in this story. A couple of silly bits. She's a college student and she, there's like, I don't know, some kind of like silly college game thing where that you have to quote unquote kill other people to get points to win like some contest. Cow? Um Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Um, but it was pretty good. It, it was honestly pretty good. Like once they sat down and put their mind to, okay, I'm going to tell a serious story in this world where people can uh, flip genders at will because of amazing scientific advancements. You know, what does that do to someone who has been struggling with wanting to be in another body all this time? Or as a as a different uh, sex all this time, 
And when they actually put their minds to it and did a really good story, it turned out really well. And I was quite pleased with that story. Um, and even if, if you play through it well enough or properly or make all the right choices, you know, that, you know, quote unquote best ending, you can convince one of the biggest, like, crazy schlocky characters from before to change herself back to normal instead of being like crazy giant anime boob lady. And she says that she's much happier being a normal person instead of being a, a crazy anime person. Um, so they did good on that one. And then we immediately swing it back around to super schlocky in the next story uh, where you play as just another person. It's a wombat girl, gets, isn't it? Who randomly gets their gender flipped. No, there's no wombats. There's a beaver girl later on. Yeah, close enough. Um... But uh, this is where it starts to go. I thought it it had already gone off of the deep end, but no, this is where we actually jump the shark. Oh, so it's like uh, modern politics. You think it hits the bottom, and then it just starts tunneling. Yeah, so remember last week I said there were these characters that you run into that I'm like, they're either aliens or they're from the future or something. I was on the right track. They're demon hunters. From the future. Because, because demons are real, uh, and there's... it. You play a character who gets transformed from male to female, but by a succubus instead of by the gender-flipping biology science technology. Okay, so uh, it's a lesbian succubus? Because t- that kind of uh, defeats the purpose of the succubus, doesn't it? It's- the succubus... In, in this world, succubi will have sex with anyone. Of course. Males, females, cat girls, bunny girls, shark girls. And yes, there is a shark girl. They literally jump the shark with a shark girl. Well, I've seen that uh, visual novel already, so. um, But so yeah, so demons are real, and you meet a succubus, and she turns you and your friend into her succubi thralls, I guess? You, but you're sexy demon girls. And you go have sex with people to recharge her sexually based magic powers. And then Van Helsing shows up. There's demon hunters that show up and you turn one of them from a sexy super powered demon hunter into like a plain boring person. And she has to go meet up with some of the other characters to get her powers back with science gender swapping technology. It's way off the deep end. Super schlocky massive boobies everywhere and i was like okay this is back to the the schlock fest that i've sort of fell in love with that is this game and then the next uh two stories that are like set up as a, a two-parter uh that cover the same event over a couple two or three weeks of in-game time where that there's a portal to hell that is discovered and this one person gets turned into a girl because of course they do in this story at this point and she wants to turn everyone in the whole world into demon girls and also sometimes animals uh, because she thinks that everyone would be happier that way and she wants to take over the world. Well, uh, so, well depending on how long she lives, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, she would kind of have the world to herself at a certain point. Yeah. So, you, so she turns the entire island where, or well, Australian coastal town where that this takes place into busty female animal hybrids. And then the second part of the story is you're just going through trying to stop her 
and it boy is it weird <laughs> by it's your weird. standards or there's a giant bee girl who has got like instead of an ass she has like a bumblebee what are they thorax with a stinger for her ass but it's like sexualized and there's a giant dragon boob lady and they constantly refer to it as the boob apocalypse i mean i loved it but it's just total wacky weird schlocky bullshit also there's no alternate endings for these two timelines so there's really no point to go back and play them other than to just complete the story and so yeah that was gender bender dna twister extreme what that's how it ends that's that's how it ends you stop the the demon dragon lady and you prevent the boob apocalypse from taking over the rest of the world but your entire australian town has been turned into busty lady animal hybrids and also some people just completely turned into animals for reasons um and then all of the characters from the story get an epilogue and it's like one or two pages of text about them and and their epilogue i really want a sequel (laughs) i want a sequel that focuses on the two science people who transform themselves in the first like who come up with this and transform themselves in the first place they had the most character development throughout the whole thing they have the most choices and the longest individual stories i just want another game that focuses entirely on the two of them and their adventures as busty anime ladies i'm in if they ever make that i'm buying it but this game has been complete for a couple of years now and most people seem to hate it unless you're like me and you love absolutely schlocky things sometimes. Yeah, whenever so, somebody asks you your kink, you just say yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm looking through those screenshots I'm, and that's Anime Rabbit Girl, I think. Is it? Is she the one with the white fur? Uh, This is one with some sort of energy sword. Energy sword. Okay, where? Which screenshot? Uh popular this week um i have steam enhanced installed so i just was scrolling down oh okay so probably about the third or fourth page mm-hmm. oh jesus this is gone all wonky let me yeah things go a little off the deep end it seems here Let's I, see, I, I could just link it to you fox girl rabbit girl that one it says it's a screenshot so yeah that's uh bunny girl so what I said last week about rec- like cautiously recommending it, I'm now completely altering all of my recommendations. Unless you like really, really weird, slocky shit or have a fetish for animal girls, unless this is like 99 cents and you're just curious, don't, don't spend any money on it. You basically have to be me to like this game. Well, that's a glowing recommendation. I mean, I love it, but this, yeah. It just gets trashier and trashier as it goes. Aside from its one shining moment where it took itself seriously and produced a decent story. I'd say overall the art isn't all that great. It's decent, but... Well, let's just put it this way. I'm seeing several screenshots where people's eyes are going through their hair. Yeah. They make comments about that, too. Like, it points out some of its stuff, and it's like, okay, you're just being lazy and making a joke about your laziness. And only one of those jokes really lands. Uh, there's this joke about all the professors at the school looking the same, and there's like they make a joke about how they're all like a family of seven identical brothers or something like that, and like the way that they played out. Oh, in the so story, it's the Pokemon complex. Yeah, the way the way it played out in the story, I was like, <laughs> that's kind of cute, 
But other than that, no, it's all of those lazy jokes don't really play out. Um, but yeah, so that's Genderbender, and that's the games that I played this week. I look forward to going back and playing those again later to get more storylines, but I probably won't talk about them anymore. Woo. So, looking at the clock and also looking at my empty water bottle, I need a short break. All right, then. So, let's take a short break, and then we'll come back and we'll get into the rest of the topics for the show. Games, games, and more games this week. Yeah, we're very game-heavy. It's almost like we're designed around uh, the podcast around video games. How about that? All right, and we're back from a short break, and we are here to talk about games that we're interested in that are coming out in, well, supposed to be coming out in 2000. And yeah. Like we mentioned at the top, we've got a pretty lengthy list between the two of us, although there's bound to be some crossover. Yeah, if if we don't have, uh, uh, I would say seven games crossed over at least. Seven games. I, I see. I don't want to go the full ten, but at the same time, uh, five seemed like too many. So I'm split. I'm splitting the difference. Plus, I already know we have two. Yeah, uh, I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with six. All right. I, I don't see a place me. on the notes here to drop these, so I'm just gonna add one. Yeah, there there wasn't one. A separate numbered list. I've got links for all of mine as well for I got show notes. links for most of mine. A couple of mine don't have a place really to link to, unfortunately. Yeah, for mine that I didn't have good places either. Just went to the website or like the game's official website or just Wikipedia. Like YouTube trailers or something like well, that. I don't even want to do YouTube trailers or one to uh, to avoid spoilers. I just put 2018 games. Ah, there it is. Right here comes the list. Yeah, we definitely have some crossover, but yours is also uh, li- uh, listed by date, and mine isn't. Yeah. So I'll add mine as I talk about them. Let's kick off with mine, and I know it's on your list. BattleTech. Yep, yep. This was originally supposed to come out late 2016, if I recall correctly. It got pushed back to 2017, and got pushed back again to 2018. Yeah. Battletech, well, it's essentially the granddaddy of mech-based uh, gaming, uh, a tabletop in this case, but Mech Warrior uh, uh, bar- borrowed, or stole, depending on your view of things, a lot from Battletech. And this game is going to be, well, people are calling it XCOM with mechs, which isn't fair, because pretty much anyone, uh, uh, every turn-based uh, tactical game is called XCOM these days, even though it doesn't really use any of the cover mechanics that XCOM uses. But this is a turn-based tactical game. Uh, actually, I would say a fair co- a comparison would be the newer Battlestar game. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison. Where I- where each of the mechs has a a, a turn allow or a movement allowance, and they're able to move freely across the terrain or jump jet if they're equipped with it. And the further you move, the uh, more points you use, and it also affects how far the uh, the mech could turn because these mechs. The, uh, who knew a, a twenty ton mech doesn't turn on a dime? Well, the twenty ton, ton mechs turn on a dime compared to the hundred ton. Not uh, true, but uh, but uh, using the uh, movement allowance also limits your turn radiance and uh, allows you to. Adjust how your firing arcs go if you 
if you uh, sprint, you can't uh, use your guns. It's a very interesting system, and seeing it applied to mechs, which are big and stompy, it looks very, very interesting. Yeah, based on what we've seen from like E3 and press conferences and you know interviews and stuff, it looks like they've pretty, I, I think as faithfully as possible, pulled the board or the tabletop mechanics into the yeah. game. Uh, with with the whole movement radius and accuracy and firing arcs and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, yeah bar it looks yeah, like there's use, a pretty yeah using that system with uh, essentially Battlestar system even though I'm sure it came from somewhere else but it, I think it's the best way to handle this without going full blown hex grid yeah which because, doesn't I mean, really I would work be... all that well for uh, mechs like this yeah although to be fair I would be excited for. For that, just because it's more battle tech. Because I mean, I love all of the old Mech Warrior and Mech Commander games. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played the battle tech board game or tabletop game once. I'd love to actually get into it, but holy fuck, is that shit expensive? Um, yeah. And even then, it's one of those things. It's like, well, if you're gonna get into battle tech, which one are you gonna get into? Because there's different eras that all of them are still fairly active and then obviously there's been changes in rule sets over the years and stuff like that so it's extremely complex yeah to the point where uh it's probably one of the more complex uh tabletop games that you can get into and one of the more expensive ones uh, short of something like warhammer yeah and the thing is i don't really have anyone around here to uh, play a uh, tabletop anyway so i never really got a chance to do any of the uh, tabletop stuff. Yeah. So this is going to be a uh, chance to go into battle tech. We've got some friends that live really close to us that I've been trying for the better part of a year to get together to start doing some tabletop or like Star Wars RPG or something. Because they all like it. But it's one of those things. It's like, well, we're all adults and we all have sh- several of us have kids. Mm-hmm. Which is really sad. Little Petri dish time sinks. Um, uh, well... I'm pretty sure King didn't come from a Petri dish. No, he didn't. Oh. But anyways, yeah. So I'm also obviously looking forward to Battletech, and Battletech was on my list. <laughs> yeah. So I put a little tick beside it, so I skip it when I get to it. Uh, so you're up. Yep. The first one on my list is Railway Empire, which is set to release in like two weeks, January the 26th. This is a train slash transportation management game surprising no one that i'm interested in one of these uh in the last couple of years after transport and before that train fever sort of revived yeah this genre has really exploded there's been several of these type of games um and railway empire looks like a really good one um you know it looks like it's borrowed a lot of systems from from transport fever with the way that it you build lines uh, although it looks like it's a lot more complex in terms of commodities and things like that. Um, so that'll be good to see. This feels a bit more like the classic Sid Meier's Railroad games, but with a modern version of that, which I could get into because I, I love the old uh, those old Sid Meier's games. And they're difficult to get running on modern hardware just because they're from a decade or more ago. So hopefully this turns out to be a good one. Okay, so my turn? Yep. All turn. right, well, let's go from trains to... How about uh, giant walking robots again? Mine are kind of <laughs> paired off, by the way. 
Uh, with Mech Warrior Five Mercenaries. This was also a one that was pushed back to th- to 2018, and this is going to be kind of a theme for my list. Uh, this is a, a revival of the old Mech Warrior series. Uh, and this is being created by the dev team that's behind uh, Mech Warrior Online, which the only reason why I don't play that more is that the grind is fucking horrendous in that game. And yeah. there's no cheap way to buy into that game. I think it's cheaper to get into Battletech than it's to Mech Warrior. <laughs> yeah. So the story behind that actually is that they were wanting to build Mech Warrior 5 mercenaries. They put the engine together and everything, uh, but they needed funding and they had to approach a studio and they were like, no, this isn't going to be worth anything. If you can actually prove that this will be worth money, we'll fund you for your your Mech Warrior 5 mercenaries. And Mech Warrior Online has just fucking killed. They're, I mean, they're not like a gigantic top five. Yeah, but they're very comfortable. But they're the only game in this niche. So if you Yeah, there's been several in this niche that's just died off. It's yeah. actually if surprising. You stompy, if you want big stompy battle mechs that you can actually customize yourself, this is the only game that's left. Is Hawkins still around? No, it went down as well. Okay, yeah. So yeah, this is it. Mech Warriors. I'm pretty your, sure it did. Your niche. Even if it, it's not around, it doesn't have the same customization levels as, yeah, as Mech yeah. Warrior. Plus Hawkins is much more arcade. Yeah, Hawkins uh, shut down. Uh, 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 well, it's shutting down now, actually. Okay. It was announced that it was being shut down uh, uh, in October, and would be shut down in uh, January. So, yeah, it, it it's kind of surprising that only MechWare Online has really been able to uh, hold its uh, uh, own because the, uh, there was Hawken, there was um, I'm blanking on some of the other ones. There was three or four in a very short time frame. Which maybe yeah. that was uh, part of the problem was that it was such a short time frame. They kind of split up the community and only uh, MechWarrior Online had enough uh, to keep it going. Yeah. And plus MechWarrior has uh, the recognition. Uh, brand brand recognition. Yeah. So so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we'll finally get on MechWarrior 5. It's uh, There's been a fair amount of teasers, but nothing really known story-wise. Granted, uh, some of the... Uh, pre-alpha footage I've seen has been a little bit suspect just because of how the developers have been playing this game. <laughs> or, 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 or yeah. is it, it was Mech Warrior 5 that I saw the gameplay of where the developers just wouldn't kill anything and they got just swamped? Or was it a different mech game that I'm thinking, I'm, I'm probably thinking of a different mech game now because there hasn't been a lot of gameplay of Mech Warrior 5 out, has there? No, not really. There's been some, yeah, I'm back. Yeah, in I think the, I'm lo- the alpha stage. Yeah, I'm thinking of another Mech game. I think because there's another one coming out because Mech Warrior Online's been such a popular hit. Everybody's trying single player Mech now. Well, there was also another Mech Warrior game that was in development around the time Mech Warrior Online came mm-hmm. out, and it persisted for a while, but then they shut it down uh, just because market saturation. Yeah. They didn't want two Mech Warrior games on at the same time. Yeah, it's uh, such an odd genre to see a, a pseudo revival that dying off, and now we're seeing a revival again with both BattleTech and MechWarrior Five coming out in the same year. Assuming that they stay it's, on target, it's going to be a good good year as long as they come mm-hmm. out. Uh, I saw there's a lot of speculation on when they're actually going to come out. Yeah, MechWarrior Five uh, is question saying, mark on uh, 2018 at most. Uh, BattleTech is pretty much guaranteed for this year at some point. Yeah, most. 
most people are saying Q3 for BattleTech. At least most articles that I've I looked up and were speculating. And then I've seen some people, some people uh, saying, speculating summer, uh, which is technically Q2. Yeah. Uh, well, I won't complain if it's earlier. But most people from MechWarrior Five are like, yeah, maybe at the end of the year, like December. And I mean, most of the games that get put in that. Yeah, category I'm. I'm expecting to be talking about MechWarrior again next year. Yeah. Still, though, that's okay. I'll play Battletech and then MechWarrior. Although I can't use my Hotas with with Battletech. I guess I'll just have to play MechWarrior online. Oh, no. That's another game I can use my Hotas. Oh, oh no, with. you'll have to play a tactics game with your mouse? <laughs> you, use, your, use your hands? It's like a baby's toy. But um, All right. Well, is it my yep. turn? The next game on my list is Monster Hunter World, yeah, w- which also comes out January 26th. Well, you're using the console release for this. Oh, I thought the uh, it has a bit, they were releasing simultaneously. Uh, I haven't heard anything about a simultaneous release and more about PC being uh, pushed back. Oh, okay. Well, then I could be completely wrong on that fact. I just thought that they were releasing simultaneously. But regardless, Monster Hunter World... Which is on my list. Uh, ...will be... At least the console version will be coming out this year, and I won't be playing that one. But still, I mean, it's it's Monster Hunter as an MMO. Fans of Monster Hunter have wanted something like that for forever. So as long as it doesn't just completely uh, According suck. to this, Fall 2018 for PC. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Uh, well, supposedly they're spending extra time on it because they've never done a PC release and they want to do it right, which I don't have a problem with. No, me neither. And hey, the console peasants can beta test it for us. Ah. But I mean, I don't really have a ton to say. It's it's Monster. Yeah, I've Hunter. never gotten to play Monster Hunter. It's uh, always uh, been something I've I've heard about and I've been interested in. I'm tempted to go back into some emulation and try it there. I would suggest. I've seen a lot of people say Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. Um, I have not played. That's the one that's on 3ds, yeah. right? I have not played that one. I've played the older ones. Um, I mean, I could probably I, emulate I, all of them. So, yeah, I've played. I, I've played the most recent one that I've played is Monster Hunter Three something or other that released on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was more of the same Monster Hunter I was used to, except you could swim underwater. But I mean, pretty much any of them will work, and just the newer you get, the better the graphics get because it's basically the same game over and over again with just new monsters and better Yeah, and graphics. I really hope you fix your list before I put show notes together. Otherwise, this is going to be a huge pain in the ass. What do you mean, fix my list? What's wrong with my list? Uh, considering I'd have to click on each one. They're hyperlinked. Well, I did that because I had... Well, you can't just copy and paste the whole list? No. I copy and pasted the whole list. Not for my personal show notes. Oh. All right. Uh, but, uh... You could do that off air. Uh, next up is one that's actually been circulating today that got my interest. Two Point Hospital. I haven't heard of this before. Uh, think modern theme hospital. Okay. With uh, the uh, some of the original development team. It's already uh, has its theme page up and running, and it looks like a modern theme hospital. It looks very promising. I mean, not a lot to say about it, just because it's starting to make the rounds now. But just look at the screenshots and seeing uh, the humor already present. Yeah, lightheaded, and everybody's walking around with a light bulb head. Yeah. And it's being published by Sega. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to have some money behind it. I really like this art style, too. Yeah, it 
Very modern classic. Yeah, yeah, it looks like an updated version of Theme Hospital. Yeah. And that's what I really like about it. Well, I just put it on my wish list. Yeah, which I actually hadn't before, but mm, there we go. So, you're up. Sweet. Next on my list, Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet, which releases February the 23rd. Uh, I found this during the last Steam Discovery queue that we did. Um, And, I mean, it's a Sword Art Online game that's based on the second season, where they actually go to Gun Gale Online. So, very little swords in it, mostly guns. Well, be sure to pre-order now so you augment your (laughs) pre-order. Yeah. Don't don't pre-order, kids. Yeah, don't don't pre-order kids. Um, but I mean, it just looks like, uh, or it it's a third-person shooter game, but set in the Sao universe, which I'm all about. And I need to get the first one too, uh, but that one came out last year, so it's not on this list. The one that's a hack and slash RPG, or is it actually an MMO? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I need to get that one too and play it. Okay, so I'm up again. Yep. All right. Well, continuing my pairs. How about another hospital management game, Project Hospital? This is essentially the same idea as the previous one, Theme Hospital, only it doesn't seem to be having the humor. It's taking itself a bit more seriously. But it also looks a lot more retro. Uh, I would say almost how a Xenonauts looks sort of retro, but modern. Yeah. It, uh, it has that sort of feel about it, but it's going to be a more serious uh, hospital management game, which once again is an interesting way to take things. And you don't really have that many of these uh, outside a theme hospital. So even having a more serious uh, hospital simulator management tycoon game, whatever you want to call it, uh, interests me. Yeah, this looks all right. I think I would prefer the more humorous version. Yeah, well, but well remember, this, doesn't... this was uh, being announced quite a while ago. Uh, Two Point Hospital was announced today, but there's still room for both. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The hospital management genre will rise again. Yep. All right. Well, uh, next on my list is A Way Out. Yeah, which was also uh, I'm a bit mine. nervous. I'm a bit nervous because EA is publishing this game, but they tend to be pretty hands-off with their indie stuff. So, fingers crossed that they don't meddle too much in this game. But, I mean, we both were interested in A Way Out when it was announced at E3 uh, last year. And just both the concept of it and the the type of game that it is look just really intriguing well, to me. What's uh, also really interesting, supposedly, granted, uh, this could change or you know, uh, be uh, 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 Diet Tommy Wiseau... Uh, uh, being a bit drunk at the Game Awards. But he was talking about how if you have the demo and hooked up with somebody that had the full version, uh, it would turn the demo into the full version uh, to be able to play co-op, which is very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much has to be a must for this, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know. Yeah, this is, co- th- this, is, yeah this is forced co-op. Yeah, you have to... Well, could you could you even play it single player? Have they said if you can no, play no, it? No, no, they said it, it was uh, forced co-op. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it would almost by default. I guess you could always do couch co-op with one copy, mm-hmm. and then they would say if you want to play online with your friends, buy a second one. But I or really hope that they actually packs. do that. It would be the other way, but that would uh, raise the price. 
Yeah, but I really hope they do the what you said. If one person has the game and the other person has the demo, they can play it as if it's a full game for both of them. All right, well, uh, anything else about A Way Out? Nope, I'm just looking forward to it. Like the art style, like the concept. Hope EA doesn't fuck with it too much. All right, well, right now is when I would have been talking about Monster Hunter World, but you've already talked about that. So how about, once again, we're working in pairs, Dauntless. Oh, I saw Dauntless, but I'm a little... I'm I'm leery about this, but this is interested, not excited about. Or will play, but... This is essentially free-to-play Monster Hunter. And I think that there's room for, uh, you know, a more than one Monster Hunter game, particularly on PC where there hasn't been one. The closed beta is going on now, and I haven't really heard a lot going on with it. And it's all going to come down to how they monetize and how you know, they, you know, well, to use uh, Jim's turn of phrase, screw you over for playing free. But I've, I've- I'm going to try it out. I mean, it's going to be a free-to-play game, so uh, yeah, there's no reason not to try it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try it, especially if it comes out earlier in the year, for, uh, and then wait until Monster Hunter comes. Although, I mean, if it's as good mm-hmm. as Monster Hunter, there's no reason to buy Monster Hunter. Although, I've heard from people who have had access to the, the closed alpha uh, that they ran last year sometime, like towards the end of the year, like September, October... Mm-hmm with like streamers and stuff like that, that it's not as good as Monster Hunter. It's a lot more clunky and stiff feeling. Yeah, but, the, but, but it was also an alpha, and it's gone through right. at least six months of uh, development since then. I will say that yeah. art-wise, it's very interesting. It's uh, a lot more, not really uh, cel-shaded, but a lot more animated-looking. Uh, yeah. I, it feels like they captured the art style of Monster Hunter, but then added their own little twist to it. Everything's a little bit slightly more cartoony, definitely shiny, than in Monster Hunter. I'd say it's worth and at I least like a look. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's why I'm interested in it. Fair play. All right. Next on my list is Far Cry 5. Um, more Far Cry. The thing that has interested me the, the most in Far Cry 5 at, compared to the last couple of Far Cry games, uh, the two things. One... Uh, it's in America, so we get a completely different setting instead of it being, for us at least, far off other side of the world. Um, you know, fantasy, more fantasy type settings, you know, tropical island and then the Himalayas. Um, fantasy's maybe the wrong word, but much more exotic and foreign for, you know, uh, us Americans. Uh, and it, I like the idea of having it be in, you know, middle of nowhere in the United States, in Montana, and you're dealing with religious, crazy people instead of, you know, some sort of, you know, civil war or drug cartels or whatever. Just the difference in, in theme there is enough to, to draw me back to the Far Cry series. Plus, listening to people talk about some of the closed access they've had at press events and stuff, the, the game is a lot more silly um, than the last couple of Far Cry's. Uh, so it's not taking itself seriously anymore. And I like that sort of thing. I like silliness. Uh, and hopefully, again, with this being a big major tentpole title, I'm hoping that it doesn't get messed with too much. And I'm not reserved, you know, to buying this game no matter what. So if they fuck with it too much, I'll just toss it aside and not worry about it. But I- I've... I'm hopeful or thinking that uh, there's a possibility that this year 
after all the backlash from last year, publishers are going to be in sort of damage control mode for a little bit. And some of these titles are going to be be going, no, no, look, see, we don't have loot boxes anymore because we want you to like us again before we put them back in our games again. And I'm hoping that some of these titles will not have that sort of messing with them. Although with Far Cry 5 being pretty much done at this point, you know, with it just a couple months away, it's got to be just in like the, you know, the polishing and the, the bug squashing phase. You know, if those systems were already in place, it'd be pretty hard to redo the game, to retool it, to take them out, I presume. So, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by the new concept uh, and the direction of which they're taking it. So that that interests me. All right. Well, let's uh, start another pair, shall we? Okay. And another tick mark on your list. Jurassic Park Evolution. Yeah. <laughs> this looks extremely interesting this is a park builder with jurassic park as the theme and granted i I imagine the entire point of this game is to avoid a jurassic park movie (laughs) to be perfectly honest because that's always the failure state of these isn't it yeah but having uh, to deal with dinosaurs and uh, the genetics behind it, because this is set in Jurassic World, where they're working more with the genetics of the dinosaurs themselves, which technically has been the theme of the entire series anyway, because technically, when you want to think about it, they're not dinosaurs. They're dinosaur-shaped monsters, because they are also part frog. <laughs> I'm just picturing the whole <laughs> uh theater scene from the first Jurassic Park where there's the <laughs> Mr. DNA's up there explaining everything. I'm just picturing that right now while you talk. Uh, yeah, I there's been one of these before. Yeah. It was called Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. It came out in like 99 or 2000. Yeah, for either the first like or the second game was like or uh, second first or second movie, not game. But yeah, it was sort of like based around the second movie, but it's like okay, we got the park working and no more people are getting eaten, so now you build the park. And it was a fucking blast. I played that game so much on PS2 back in the day, and then a few years ago I got um, an ISO working of the PC version, which, you know, because it was meant for technology in the early 2000s, it took me forever to get that running. But I got it working, and I played it for, I don't know, another 50 hours at like 600 by 800 aspect ratio. See, I never uh, played that, but I played Zoo, or, uh, Zoo Tycoon with the with the dinosaur expansion, which is close to what that was, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I'm, but this I'm looks so this excited. looks very impressive so far. Great. Do you know who's making this game? Uh, no, I don't. Frontier Development, the same people who do Elite Dangerous. Ah. They also have a theme park simulator, so I assume that's why they got this uh which uh, which they're, they're... Uh, theme park one is it because there's two major ones i forget i would have to look it up really quickly so if you want to vamp i'll look that up for you vamp 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 yes well done <laughs> um, i mean there's not really a lot to talk about here because planet it's planet coaster oh that's not the one i was hoping for <laughs> Because Planet Coaster is weaker on the management side of things, and it's more of a sandbox tool. 
Well, Jurassic Park Operation Genesis was that too. It was weaker park management and more just Yeah, I mean, I could see this going either way. Uh, Yeah, just play with dinosaurs. But I would love a more uh, strong uh, uh, park management. Which one were you hoping it was? I was hoping it was Parkitect. Even though it's weaker on the uh, rods itself and not as pretty, uh, it's... uh, it has uh, supposedly a lot stronger park management uh, development. Grand uh, Parkitect is supposedly coming along. Well, Frontier also released Roller Coaster Tycoon Three years yeah, ago. True, so which which isn't a bad game, but it's also yeah, it's one of the weaker of the Roller Coaster Tycoon series. They do Zoo Tycoon as well. I didn't realize that. I'm just uh, so their games so I may have already played this. <laughs> They did Connectimals. Connectimals was shit, but it was fun because you could pet cute tigers. Okay, so my turn? Uh, Yeah. Well, here... Wait, no, you did that. You did oh. that. Even though it's yeah. on my list, you did that. All right. My turn. Uh, Next on my list is the Elite Dangerous Season 3 content expansion, which is called Beyond, and that's releasing in chunks over the course of the year. Um. I'm just really excited because it's new stuff. They're opening up the new storyline with the second alien race, which has been discovered. Uh, they're adding a bunch of new shit. So are these the hemorrhoids making... or is it a different uh, uh, problem? They are the Guardians. Ah. My good sir, the Guardians. Also, there are a bunch of uh, talking ty- uh, raccoons. Got it. <laughs> and a tree. One big tree. Um, or, or is it a little tree now? Uh, no, he's going back into a teenage tree ah. at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. But, anyways, yeah, it's it's releasing in big chunks. They're, they're going for one chunk per quarter for the entire year with smaller releases in between. Uh, the bright side, the good point to this is that if you don't have, or if you don't purchase the season, the, the next season, you'll still get most of the content. Uh, you'll get all the improvements that they make. Uh, they're really tackling trade data this year, for example. So you'll get all those improvements in the galactic map. You'll get all the new ships available for purchase, stuff like that. So you'll still get benefits even if you don't buy it. But well, buying it how, how am I going to get benefits? Content, stuff like that. Well, I mean, you have to buy at least Elite Dangerous. Oh, but I'm I'm just excited for that. So it's kind of funny that you talked about Elite Dangerous here and kind of cheated because I also cheated. Rimworld. <laughs> <laughs> because its next update is going to be the 1.0 release. And I am very excited to see just what they do with this and any post uh, uh, release content because Rimworld has grown quite a bit over its early access cycle. It's kind of funny how this lined up, really. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to have to. You know, say, well, there's not a rule to say that I couldn't have already played the game for several hundred hours. Yeah. That would apply to me at this point now, too. I've racked up over 200 hours in Elite on Steam, not including my pre-Steam playtime. So, yeah. No rules. Just right. <laughs> I love how this kind of synced up. Uh, well, you and I, our cycles line up. Oh, my. Uh, does that mean it's your turn to get sick? <laughs> God, I hope not. Uh, but I was sick for I was sick first. Well, it's your turn again then. Uh, but uh, Rimworld, for those who haven't heard me talk about it before, it's a con- colony management game where you're out in the middle of uh, nowhere on this distant planet and trying to survive. It's a colony survival game. 
Uh, really, really good. It's probably the best of the Dwarf Fortress lights out there, but it's also very tough. And I usually bought it to make it even more uh, tough in some ways. In other ways, I'd uh, yeah, make it easier. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with RimWorld. Well, I'm very happy for you. I hope it's good. Next on my list is Crackdown 3. Uh, this game was supposed to come out last year in, I believe, August, and then it got pushed back to, uh, I think, October, and then it got pushed back to just spring of 2018. Uh, the Crackdown series, if you're unaware, uh, you play a super soldier slash super cop guy who basically has superpowers. You can jump super high, run super fast, throw cars, and you just go on crazy, wacky crime-fighting adventures throughout the city uh, in this big open-world environment. And as you go along, you level up your skills so you can jump higher and farther and throw things farther and et cetera, et cetera. It's just a laugh. It's basically, um, if you've never played it before, but you have uh, played Saints Row 4. Well, I was going to use Just Calls. Yeah, Just Calls is, a, is another good uh, analog for it. So those two games are, are good analogs for what Crackdown 3 is. Uh, unfortunately, this is just a Xbox and Windows Store game, uh, at least at this oh, just time. Lost my no, interest. Steam, no Steam release or anything has been announced, but I'm a big fan of the Crackdown series. I played the first two, so as long as it's not, again, laden with unnecessary bullshit microtransactions and garbage like that, and isn't a broken buggy mess, I'll probably be buying this one. All right, well, let's see. How about one that's coming out a bit sooner than most of my stuff. A open world uh, RPG, Kingdom Come Deliverance. This is one okay. that's also been making the rounds a bit lately. Think Skyrim, only more realistic, in a historical setting, no magic, and a lot more hardcore. It's a very interesting looking game and that's why it's on this list and why it's called the interesting <laughs> uh, game list. I want to see how this uh, plays out because this is a new studio with a full price AAA priced uh, release but it looks fucking impressive. Yeah this is pretty solid graphics here which is saying something for indie studios because a lot of times you know because High-end graphics are difficult and expensive. They go for, you know, stylistic or something mm -hmm. like that. But and this is a, a historical, uh, well, it's not, I don't think it's set on Earth, but it's set, uh, well, Bohemia, located in the heart of Europe, the region is rich in culture, silver, and sprawling castles. Uh, so they are uh, dealing with uh, medieval times. With a nonlinear yeah. story, uh, open world. It's an ambitious game, and that's why I want to see where they go with it. And it looks like it's going to require a hell of a computer, so it's going to be a while for me to even play it. But Yeah, there's a couple of screenshots I, I looked at. Like, when you were talking, I was looking at them. I was like, is this, uh, does this have, like, FMV or something? Like, particularly that first screenshot where that all of the people are a little, are in the background. Mm -hmm. That's some really good, good-looking stuff. I thought that was part of, uh... Like FMV or something. Yeah, they've also been talking a, a lot about how they're handling horses. Because Skyrim... Let, let's face it. Horses in Skyrim are utter trash. Yeah, they're terrible. Uh, this, they're going to handle horses as a uh, more intelligent NPC. So they... Uh, 
try to avoid uh, obstacles and uh, almost like the Assassin's Creed free running where it uh, plays intelligently with how it moves. So it's going to be interesting to see all the systems come into play and see just how they handle it. And it's releasing next month. I'm just wondering how it does, because like I said, new studio with a very ambitious uh, project. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this game before. I just put it on my wish list. And as long as it's not a garbage game, I might absolutely put this on my list of games to pick up this year. Because, I mean, I love medieval fantasy mm-hmm. style stuff and you know i know you said it you know no magic and stuff like that at least that there's not very at least many i haven't seen anyone do ta- that well uh, talking about a magic system in this so yeah but it, uh, even if it goes for the realism mm-hmm. angle i'm still down for that yeah, so i'm interested to see why you have a uh, playstation 4 game on this uh right so my next game is detroit become human um so it is currently uh just announced as a ps4 title there's been talk back and forth for a while about whether or not it's going to come to pc i want to hold my breath in this case because uh uh heavy rain didn't come to pc no it didn't and i'm not expecting it to but i'm just so looking forward like this game as long as it's tackles all of the issues that they say it's going to tackle that they've been showing off in a really mature manner i would I'm just so interested in the conversation that can come from this game, and I'm just fascinated with it. As long as it's, it is what, or it is at least trying to be what they say it is. And even if I don't get to play it on PC, uh, there's still conversation to be had about the game itself. And this is something that I'm more interested in for its potential artistic and cultural value versus just being able to play it as a game. And if it's a good game, I've wanted to get a PS4 anyways for a few exclusives. Um, and I would be willing to buy a PS4 for this as long as it is at least trying to be the game that it's advertising itself. So that's why it's on there. Cultural value for me. All right. Well, uh, still keeping up with the pairs. I think this is going to be my last pair, though. Uh, Mountain Blade 2 Bannerlord. I wondered if you were going to put this on there, actually. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't uh, played the Mountain Blade Vault series at this point, uh, it's a, a sandbox medieval empire builder. And Mountain Blade uh, 2 seems to be that and more with some absolutely huge sieges, which you haven't really seen done all that well on... Uh, really gaming in general outside of the bound blade series. Usually they either cheat, uh, cheat out or it's the total war series. Hello. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I, I was expecting, uh, yeah, some sort of response to that. Uh, uh, I've actually never played mountain blade. Uh, mountain blade. Uh, you're, you essentially start as a peasant and you work your way up building an army and built and eventually either conquering a kingdom or uh, carving your own kingdom out uh, from just uh, the surrounding lands, getting your uh, uh, getting villages uh, to under uh, uh, your rule, or you could uh, pledge allegiance to the king and uh, deal with his uh, problems. Because there's uh, I want to say seven or eight different uh, kingdoms that you could uh, uh, join and uh, deal with, and they have interconnected politics. 
And it's a very interesting way to handle things because you are taking the role as the commander on the field. So you're trying to develop your tactics in real time as a person on horseback. And oh, by the way, if you take an arrow to the head, uh, you die and uh, yeah, you pretty much lose the battle instantly because uh, your forces break. <laughs> so try not to do that. It's a very tough uh, game uh, to sell to some people because it is a lot of building up, a lot of uh, essentially grinding, for lack of a better term, even though I wouldn't call it quite that because it's more building up your forces, not just saying they're doing the same thing over and over again. And Mountain Blade 2 seems to be improving the graphics mostly, but also improving its siege mechanics, improving its trade mechanics to the point where I think it's going to be a more mainstream game. Okay. I mean, I've seen the the first Mountain Blade plenty of times on my recommended list, and it's been on and off of my wish list a couple of times, but I might uh, might give that a shot this year because I'm sure it'll be discounted. I mean, I, I assume it goes on regular mm-hmm. discount anyways because it's an older game, but they might have some kind of like release date discount or maybe in the summer sale. I can I'll bump that up the top of my list a little bit and check it out because it sounds like it would be something I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah, it's definitely a, an older looking game. It's not nearly as pretty as. Um, uh, even games of its day, it was uh, considered kind of ugly, but it was also a small development team. But it handled a lot of mechanics very well. And there's only a handful of games I could really think of that has sieges the size of this. And uh, deals with realistic uh, arrow trajectories and that sort of thing. It, it feels like a medieval sandbox instead of you know, a video game, for lack of a better term. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I would say uh, stay away from uh, the last one in the series, uh, Fire and Sword, because they introduced firearms. And uh, uh, well, let's put it this way: they introduced firearms historically accurately. Oh, nice! <laughs> I mean, that's a. I mean, if that's what they're going for, though. Yeah, true, I but can but it, that to yeah, but extent. it's also yeah, I put it in historically accurate, which could also be very painful, which it was. I would say right. the best uh the best one is probably uh the uh uh warband because it also has the multiplayer. There's only a few things that really lacks, which is a couple of the mods that never got transferred from the original Mountain Blade. But very good game. Anyway, you're up. Cool. My next game is State of Decay Two. So the original State of Decay is a zombie single player zombie survival game where that you are trying to build uh basically a, a safe haven and eke out a living, surviving among the zombie hordes. You have to find a place to get your survivors to build it up, uh, scavenge for food and materials, eventually set up your own your own like gardens and things like that so you can become self-sufficient. Uh, it had a story where that you learned what happened with the, the zombie outbreak, and it did have a conclusion. But honestly, the most fun part of the game was to just go into to free mode and just try to survive at different locations for as long as possible. Um, and State of Decay 2 seems to be shaping up to be that, but now also there's a, a four-player co-op mode where that you can do that, but with your friends. 
It also seems to have improvements to graphics and some other new gameplay bits and bobbles. But from what I can tell from what they've released <clears> at E3 and, you know, press releases and stuff like that, it's basically just State of Decay with some spit and polish and four-player co-op, which is uh, exactly what I'd like to have. The original State of Decay came to, to Steam, uh, although it came later. Right now, there's no Steam release announced just currently xbox one and uh windows store but the first one did come to steam uh, about a year after the initial release so and and microsoft did own state of decay at that time so hopefully state of decay 2 comes to steam as well and kind of makes me want to go play the original state of decay (laughs) which i have you're up okay so let's see uh yes Uh, this one is also firmly in the interesting category which not sure if i'll play it but i want to see how it plays out sea of thieves sea of thieves i went back and forth on sea of thieves (laughs) ultimately i decided not to include it on my list but yeah like i said it's it's close it's interesting it it looks like it it's straddling the line between streamer bait you know just uh sandbox where Really, only streamers or those who have a big uh, community uh, would uh, find it interesting. But at the same time, there could be something more there. It's um, There's a couple of pirate games coming out this year. And this is the wacky, zany one where you're shooting yourself out of a cannon, going on uh, 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 for buried treasure and that sort of thing. It's... Like I said, it's very interesting looking. It's uh, come a long way since its first reveal to its uh, last uh, E3 reveal. But it still seems to be lacking content. But that could just be, you know, them not wanting to show all their uh, uh, cards. So, like I said, very interesting, but not sure if I'm going to play it. Yeah, Sea of Thieves is an interesting looking game that if people in our community... We're like, wow, let's play this. I'd probably buy it and play it, but I would wouldn't buy it myself. Yeah, yeah, That's it's ultimately why yeah, I marked it off. Yeah, the list. it's definitely a group play only. I don't think it would be good for single player at all, or even playable single. And that's why it's not. Yeah, hey, ooh, I gotta play this. It's huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, next on my list is Sunless Skies, the sequel, I guess to sunless sea um i'm not 100 sure if it's a direct sequel or if it's just set in the universe um yeah this was a of one played... i considered but uh, uh, uh i decided not to because uh my big concern about it is pretty much the same i had with the first one is that uh, it's going to get repetitive because it's technically a roguelite a roguelike well roguelite but yeah yeah you'd have to play the story several times and there's only so much that they could do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, yeah, we both played the first one two years Mm -hmm. ago, give or take. And we both talked about it. Um, we considered it for game club. Yeah. A couple times actually, but it's also a bit of a time sink. Yeah. So I just, I really like sunless sea a lot. Uh, and Sunless Sky is basically, from what I can tell, that with airships. So, I'm in. That's pretty much what I have to say. <laughs> Sunless Skies. 
I mean, I really do like the world and the way that they do their storytelling. And yeah, it can definitely become repetitive. <laughs> and I experienced some of that in Sunless Sea. But I really like the game and its world that it's created and the, the way that it tells stories. Yeah, now yeah it definitely looks interesting. But like I said, I'm not sure about it just yet. I want to see how it plays out. But that's, yeah, a good chunk of my list anyway. Right. So my turn? Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to drop two on here because a way out is after this, but uh, yeah, we've already covered that. So, how about... Okay, uh, I'm going to sell this to you right now. First of all, it's by the devs of this war bond. Okay, that's a, a positive note for it. It's a city management game. Okay. And it's frozen steampunk. Frostpunk. Oh, I've seen Frostpunk. I completely forgot about Frostpunk. It's on my wish list already. <laughs> yeah. I just forgot uh, well, about I, it. I didn't honestly. mark mine uh, because I didn't want to give them away. <laughs> but this looks very, very interesting. I mean, I already said it's by the you know, devs of this war of mine. So you know that they're not going to uh, pull any punches. And it's in a yeah. frozen world Dealing with steampunk technology, I mean, it, it it looks absolutely beautiful. And I imagine it'll be heart-wrenching. I mean, there's not really a lot to say about this. It doesn't have a release date just yet. But I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, me too. Good pick. Good pick. All right. Next on my list, Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah, this is one I uh, um, considered, but... Uh, decided that not nah, probably not because it's kind of a known quality uh, for the most part. Yeah, uh, and this is the PC release. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Final Fantasy 15 released in December of 2016. For yeah, console. I did hear the PC um, requirements. Did you hear about them yet? No. Yeah, this sucker is fucking huge. D- a hard drive requirement. Do you want to guess? 100 gigabytes. Yes. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's the PC release is going to have is supposed to have all uncompressed. I think it's supposed to have uncompressed audio and up to 4K textures in it by default. Why do you need uncompressed audio? I don't know, because they're Japanese, I guess. Dude, racist. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, I I originally was going to buy this on console sometime in the previous year, Uh, and I I was going to wait until after they released the first, at least the first. Uh, full set of story DLC that was like the last chapter of the game that they wound up having to cut out for time constraints. Uh, and then they were like, oh, by the way, it's going to come to PC. I don't know. Well, I'll just wait then. And it's coming to uh, PC on March 6th, according to the Steam page. And from what I've heard, this is like a, a sort of game of the year edition. That, that, that yeah, that has all the DLC. All of the DLC. But, uh, but so, no VR fishing. That's okay. I don't want to go fishing in VR, anyways. But you, but you but, can't go fishing with your uh, boy band without it. That's okay. I don't need to go fishing with my boy band. We can just ride around in our car or on our chocobos, and we can cook food together. It'll be great. Me and in my cute boys. Well, don't. Well, just don't uh, choke your chocobo. Oh. Okay, my turn. Yep, your turn. All right. Well, this is one I would be surprised if you even heard of. Frozen Synapse 2. Uh, actually, I'm aware of Frozen Synapse 2. Um, I was actually surprised with that. Uh, Frozen Synapse uh, was a kind of a, a, 
a, a, a hidden gem, really, of tactical, uh, well, asymmetric, well, actually, it's simultaneous uh, uh, turn-based uh, strategy. And Frozen Synapse 2 is taking uh, the heart of the original Frozen Synapse and putting it in a procedurally generated cityscape with uh, various quests and various storylines that play out. It, it looks very interesting. I've been following the devlogs on and off on and off for the last several months. And it should release this year, most likely. It's a very interesting looking title. <laughs> if you're not into uh, this style of strategy game, I mean, it's the same sort of thing that Battletech handles, where it's a time-based movement system. So uh, there's another game that has the same sort of movement system <laughs> that we were uh, th- trying to think of, huh? Yeah. And uh, my uh, only real problem with the original Frozen Synapse was that it was uh, all the uh, kill times were hard kill times, so there was no variation, which in a way is a plus and a minus for the game, but it made it made certain, uh, certain battles uh, you do how they were going to play out several turns beforehand which was it that interesting to me so we'll have to see how they do with Frozen Synapse 2 alrighty well let's see next on my list was Jurassic World Evolution but we ticked that one off already so the next game on my list is with a question mark Anthem yeah I saw the question mark and I was thinking oh boy loot boxes so the question yeah yeah uh, so Anthem is slated currently for fall of 2018. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this game gets pushed back to 2019 at some point. And I love, I mean, I love these, um, looter shooter, shooter, looter. Sh- I, I love looter shooters. I love that genre. And I love the idea of being basically an Iron Man in a looter shooter. And I've been hesitant just because of EA and loot boxes and micro microtransaction bullshit. But like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, there's several people that have the the theory and a little bit of hope that EA is going to take this year with a couple of its big titles to go, no, no, we're not terrible, and pull back on some of that stuff to get everybody sort of lulled into a false sense of security before they go back or introduce it into more games. And I'm hoping that Anthem is at the right spot in development that they can apply that to. And it won't be a festering pile of gambling garbage. But, I mean, if it is, then I'm just going to be sad and ignore it. But I'm hoping, against all hope, that like the 1% chance that that happened will happen. Because I'm not quite as cynical as you are. Yet. But I, I'll I get, mean, I don't, give you two I don't years. Know. I don't expect that to happen. I don't expect them to do anything that would be good for the consumers. I'm just hoping that maybe this theory that some people have had will be right. And Anthem will is in the perfect place to be their sort of apology before they try and fuck us over again. So, yeah. All right. Your turn. Well, uh, this wasn't meant to be a pair, but it ended up being that on my list anyway. Well, sort of. Wargroove, and somewhere in a nuclear reactor somewhere, there's a Kerbal going, huh? <laughs> Wargroove <laughs> is a sort of a love letter to the old Final Fantasy Tactics. Or not Final Fantasy Tactics, Advance Wars. But but but, but, say, but, but, but like- still the same sort of idea of 
turn-based strategy that uh, I had with uh, Frozen Synapse, only this is hard uh, turn, uh, turn-based. Uh, not really a lot more to say about it. It just has the announcement trailer and a press kit out there. So, But it looks, like I said, very interesting. And having a more advanced wars can be a bad thing, right? No, definitely not. I uh, I love Advance Wars. I miss that that game series. So, I'm cool with a medieval homage to Advance Wars. Uh, okay. Well, the next two on my list were BattleTech and Mech Warrior. So, obviously, skipping past those to Death Stranding. Another console. I just uh, right now, yes, they've said that they haven't ruled out the idea of a PC port. Uh, and also, it's Kojima who just does stuff sometimes. And the Metal Gear games, several of them are on PC, so I'm not ruling out a console release maybe in 2019. Although, to be honest, Death Stranding probably is going to slide at least into 2019 anyways. Well, you got to wait for that baby one sure. I've watched the the trailers for this, and I have no idea what the fuck. The Throat Baby? Yeah. Uh, No, no, no. Throat Baby that gives thumbs up, remember? That's important. Right. Right, the thumbs up is incredibly important. I'm just so intrigued by the concept of this game. Like, you know, I, I've I've not like bought into the hype, but I'm my curiosity is peaked. I, I I love Norman Reedus. I really like Kojima and the way he tells stories, and I love Guillermo del Toro. So I'm just going. I don't know what this is, but I want to know, and so it's on my list just because of curiosity's sake. And hopefully it gets a, a, a PC port in, within a year after its PS4 release. Okay, well, that was a thing. So this is one I don't have a link for. This uh, has been making uh, some news rounds in the last couple months. Uh, but I think you'll know what it is uh, uh, just based off this. Well, okay. Uh, this is another Chucklefish game, uh, same as Wargroove and also Stardew okay. Valley. Spellbound, uh, the Chucklefish Magic School game. Did you see this? Uh, I would say probably September, October. Uh, the first uh, I, hints of it. I remember some people talking about it somewhere. Probably yeah, on I'm, podcast I, 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 to, I highly I doubt this is going to come out this year, but I'm throwing it on anyway just in case because Chucklefish tends to hold their games and not really tease them that much without... You know, having a firm release date already in mind. Because they did the same with uh, Stardew Valley. Granted, Stardew Valley was also kind of a weird case because it was an independent development for quite a while. But this, uh, yeah, I realize there's no link for this. Uh, there's, if you look up uh, Chucklefist Magic School game, you'll get a bunch of articles, though. Uh, it's a very interesting concept. You don't see a lot of Magic School games either, do you? No. And this, uh, a lot of people are, Saying essentially Harry Potter beats Stardew Valley with a romance in it, and I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, there, there's uh, uh, some more fun. recent articles talking about how they're going to have a more realistic uh, romance system in it, so it's not like Stardew Valley's where you give, uh, you know, the right gift uh, over and over again, and that's it, you're done. So it's going to be an interesting one. And right. it's also uh, the few uh, screenshots that they've uh, shown are also very pretty, uh, even for pixel art. I mean, I strongly suggest go checking out some screenshots, and I'll probably link to an article or something for a few screenshots for this. But 
It's just, I, this is one of the two that I have that don't have any links yet. Or any proper links, I should say. Right. Yeah, believe it or not, Death Stranding didn't have any proper links. I just got the IMDB page for it. Oh, uh, just, uh, just, uh, maybe I should just link to Thumbs Up Baby. <laughs> that would work. That would work. Okay, my next game is Ace Combat 7. I was worried that after the late, last, or the, the most recent Ace Combat game, that the series was dead because they took it from fantasy world to real world and basically set it in the early 21st century where that you were in Iraq and things like that, uh, fighting real world enemies. That just takes a lot of the fun out of it because I don't want a gritty, realistic ace combat game. I come for ridiculous arcade flight controls and big explosions and anime storytelling because all of the ace combat games up until the most recent one, uh, which I think was called Assault Horizon. It's on Steam. Yeah, Ace Combat Assault Horizon. Um, that one just sort of took all the fun out of it. And I was worried that that had killed off the series. But it's coming back, supposedly, with a 2018 release. Although it's late 2018, so it might get pushed to 2019, which I would be okay with. Uh, it's supposed to have a PC, PS4, and Xbox One release uh, simultaneous release when it comes out, although most of the press stuff you see only talks about the console versions, so I don't know if that means that they've changed that, and uh, PC is coming later, or if it's been dropped altogether. It still says on their website that it's coming to PC, but it doesn't say anything about Steam in particular, so uh, I don't... It's made by... Um, uh, or published by Bandai Namco, so they're not specifically tied to one console, as far as I'm aware, but regardless... Even if it only comes out on consoles, I'll definitely buy it for my Xbox. I just, I love Ace Combat so much. Such a fun, sort of silly flight game. I can still remember all of the old, older ones for PS2 and the ridiculous anime storytelling that's in them. So much fun. Great games. Alright, well, my turn? Yep. Okay, well... Here is, uh, well, uh, another kind of throwback for me. Xenonauts 2. Uh, they are, uh, well, making a second Xenonauts. Well, obviously, I mean, it says it right there. But bringing up into the Cold War, uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, I believe, uh, if, uh, the devlog, uh, if I remember the devlog. But it's going to be interesting. I'm, well, I've said that quite a few times, but... Uh, well, Xenonauts is a game I've bought three times so far. <laughs> I mean, let's just put it that way. I've uh, really yeah. enjoyed my time with it that I've played so far. And they're talking about making the changes that to uh, to the Geoscape, mostly, to try to improve uh, the tactics. And they're trying to learn lessons from the original Xenonauts, which is a... Uh, welcome, uh, sight to see. Yeah, taking, uh, constructive feedback from the first game. And it looks like they're bringing, uh, human psionics as well. Ooh, fun. Yeah, let's see. Uh, we're, uh, retaining the time units, uh, and other core mechanics from the first game, but we'll attempt to address some of the weaknesses to indestructible UFOs, poor use of vertical terrain, human psionics, etc. I mean, that right there is enough to make me excited. Yeah, honestly, if they just improved the way vertical terrain works, I would be very happy with that. 
I can get past the indestructible UFOs and psionics is nice as well, but not necessary. But yeah, managing units at different height levels is frustrating as fuck in Xenonauts. Well, it looks like they're working on that, so. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, not a lot to say there, but yeah, not, I don't really have to say anything. Yep. So next on my list, I hate the name, but I love the concept. Hashtag War Games. Uh, it is taking the concept of the old War Games film and bringing it into the modern setting. It's done by the same developers who made her story, and it's going to be a full FMV game. And honestly, the only reason I'm giving this game a, or this game a chance because the title is so bad is because of the her story developers being the ones who are doing it. I loved her story, and that was such a good interesting and different game so if they can apply that sort of thinking to war games and i have no idea how they're gonna do it uh the teaser trailer doesn't really reveal anything um at least not that i could outside out just watching uh, it a few outside times. just staring at the uh, uh camera it looks like yeah so but i mean if they can apply that same level of out of the box thinking from her story to hashtag war games i would I would enjoy it despite its stupid name. All right. Well, here's my second one that I don't have a link to. I could uh, provide a link, but I don't even want to have the possibility of ruining Game Club. The Wolf Among Us Season 2. Yep. Yep. I saw that. Almost put it on my <laughs> list, too, and then decided not to. Yeah, we have a couple that uh, we thought about but didn't, uh, but ended up on the other list. So there you go. I mean... I can't really talk a lot about this, mostly because I haven't uh, gotten through uh, a Wolf Among Us yet, but you know, the fact that they're continuing the story, that's enough for me. Yep. I assume it's still Telltale? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want to look too much into uh, the trailer, just in case it spoiled the game club, but it looks like they're keeping a good chunk of the original voice cast as well, which is always nice. Well, that's... Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, the next and final game on my list is Into the Breach. This is made by the developers who made FTL. Yeah, if Steam Direct wasn't a thing, I would have probably seen this. Because uh, trying to find anything on uh, uh, the Steam upcoming uh, releases like I did last year, don't. Yeah. So this is a uh, turn-based strategy game, which is also a roguelite. I'm not sure how they're going to work those mechanics into it, but... They're saying that every time you start restart the new game, you'll get a randomly generated uh, map and challenges. So that might be the only thing that there is, and you just you know unlock new stuff on each playthrough. Um, but they're saying something about how you're going to be able to perfect your strategy by predicting AI moves based on behaviors that they exhibit. Uh, so that sounds pretty cool. But I mean, pretty I loved FTL. Pretty much anything that that those devs make until they make a real stinker, I'll I'll give it a shot. And I also think it's cute that on the available, when it's finished. <laughs> that's, that's what it says on the Steam Store page. Hopefully it's good. They, there's rumors that it's coming out in 2018. But, you know, based on that attitude and the fact that I haven't heard anything about this game until I discovered it when I was making this list, uh, leads me to believe that that might not be the, tr- the case. Okay, well, I have two remaining. It looks like uh, even... Uh... If I would have said five, I would have been overshooting things, which isn't a bad thing, to be honest. So, my second to last game is Super Mega Baseball 2. Uh, 
Mostly, be- <laughs> mostly because <laughs> there's not many baseball games to begin with. And the first one was actually a pretty good arcade baseball game. They're going away from the super deformed characters. It's still uh, an animated style, uh, but less stylized than the first game. But, you know, having a decent baseball game that, you know, it's hard to really argue with it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't care for sports games or baseball. I, I do like I do like my, my sports games. So, so yeah. Uh, and how about one that I think you'll absolutely love that you probably never heard of? Okay. Uh, this one actually doesn't have a proper title yet, or unless they're actually calling it Untitled Goose Game, which it accidentally put up there. Where you are, this is a puzzle game where you are an asshole goose fucking with this farmer just sit and watch the trailer for a moment i've been hearing about this quite a bit from uh various uh smaller uh uh, gaming podcasts uh, playing it at at, at different gaming events and you are just a goose who has a list of things to do to be it complete and utter ass to this random farmer (laughs) (laughs) shoves a sandwich in the lake okay yeah, and uh, and funny. you have things like uh, yeah, uh, spray the uh, uh, the farmer with the uh, with water somehow, and a lot of it is, you know, well, you're a goose and you're trying to manipulate this farmer to doing things to, um, you know, uh, uh, let you get your goals. That's why I'm kind of calling out a puzzle game. That's really cute. This looks like it would be a good time waster for. Yeah, a I'm while. not sure how deep it is, but it looks interesting enough that. It would be uh, something to fun to play, but yeah, you, uh, the goose grabs the uh, radio, turns it turns on, he runs around. The farmer's chasing him, and he gets in the garden that ha- that way. And then you're just an utter dick to this ge- to this farmer. Oh, that there's two geese in the last few seconds of the trailer. Co-op, perhaps. Uh, perhaps. Co-op goose shenanigans. <laughs> but isn't that uh, fun looking? Just that looks really fun and silly. Yeah, I could go for that. Just uh, being a complete asshole goose. <laughs> but then again, I'm repeating myself. But yeah, that is my list. Not as much crossover as I was thinking we would get. How many games do we have? We had the two mech war or the two mech games, Jurassic mm-hmm. World. Yeah, uh, a way out. Uh, you got it there before I did. A way out. I didn't put tick mark. That's four. Yeah, that's it. Oh wait, no, Monster Hunter. Ah. Five. So I would have been right if I said five, but I thought that was too low. So did I win? Because uh, this is Price is Right, right? You said seven, I said six? Uh, No, because you're still over. <laughs> Price is wrong, bitch. Now get in your fucking hole! Adam Sandler. It's uh, such a good start to your career, and now you're just a shithole. What, he became you president? Garbage movies. I'm not sure if that would be an improvement. Maybe. Maybe if we had Billy Madison. Yeah. All right. Or even <clears throat> little Nikki. So how are you doing? I'm doing all right. All righty then. Well, if you're doing all right and I'm doing all right, are you ready to move on to uh, Cube's topic that he sent us? The the second yeah. one? Yeah, uh, we're giving him two since we had some uh, communication issues. Right. So the second topic that Cube 
wanted us to talk about are the best games that aren't fun. Yeah, I think before we really dive into our game list, we should talk about what we mean by not fun, because there's really a couple ways you could take this. Right. So... I have, well, we talked yeah. about this, and I'm, I'm well. well I have my uh, list split up into two different categories: the compelling games, you know, games that aren't fun moment to moment, but there's a reason to keep playing them. Either some storyline, they're relaxing, and that sort of thing. And then my other list is called field trip. They're designed to make you feel a certain way, and that is not necessarily meant to be fun. Right. Um. There were two, was it two, or were there three obvious ones for uh, that? It was uh, two, well, right? We both instantly thought of two field trip games. I mean, I mean, pretty yeah. much the instant this uh, topic came up. Uh, this War, Mine, and Papers, Please. Yep. Both very, very bleak games. Uh, games that are meant to uh, teach you a lesson, essentially, in one way or another. And uh, moment to moment, they're not fun, but they uh, they could also fit in the compelling category also, just because of you know, how they handle their storytelling. Uh, this war of mine, uh, you know, going from decision to decision and trying to survive in this just war-torn city. Or, well, right, go ahead. Uh, this war of mine, I don't think, belongs in the just compelling category. Yeah, that's why I put, it in, the, that, that's why I put mine, it in the field trip, uh, because I felt like I it mean, was uh, more... Uh, fitting there yeah this more war of mine moment to moment moment just makes you feel like shit especially the first few times you play through it before that effect starts to wear mm-hmm. off as it just becomes you know as you become inoculated to it just because you're doing so much bad stuff you're presented with choices that are bad and worse and peering into your characters you know the t- being depressed and suicidal and it just Oh man! Yeah, and papers, rough. please, isn't exactly you know a happy-go-lucky thing either because you're dealing with you know, having to deal with this oppressive regime or constantly changing the rules and trying to keep your family alive and uh, just feeling absolutely uh, shit whenever you know, you have to turn off the heat to save money because you know uh, you didn't uh, stamp enough uh, passports or even uh, worse, they changed the rules so. You screwed up a couple times, and it cost you money. Yeah, that game constantly makes you feel anxious as well if, if you really get yeah. into it because of that. And it's like, well, I could take the bribe, or I could do the thing that breaks yeah, the and rules, yeah, and, whatever. But if I get caught, you know, then what Yeah, and, and even if you follow the rules and you watch that person go out, and you're as the next one comes in, you're keeping an eye on that printer. It's like, okay, it, did I miss something? Did I miss something? Fuck! What did I miss? Yeah. And some of them are just brutal. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe Papers, Please could fit a little bit more into the just compelling, but I think I'd argue for it to be in the the other field category, trip. where it's the field trip category. Um, but yeah, we sat down, each of us came up with a, a list of games mm-hmm. to to talk about. Yeah, and, yeah, and some of them are kind of paired off. Some aren't uh, for me, just because that's how it worked for me. We, I have a few that are kind of representative full genres. Yeah, I just kind of thought of games that made me feel a certain way or another. Uh, there were a few that I had missed that you picked up as well. Yeah. So. Do you want to alternate, uh, or how long is your list? Uh, well, mine I could talk about in groups as well. So, 
Uh, well, uh, let's just talk about a game club game, uh, to the moon. Uh, definitely feels, uh, it, it gets in the field trip area as well. Yeah. To the moon's gameplay is honestly pretty bad. It's uh, somewhere between non-engaging and bad. Yeah, that yeah, on that which... one combat section was just absolutely horrible and felt like it was just there to pad out the game. But overall, uh, To the Moon uh, is a very uh, kind of depressing story whenever you really uh, break it down. Yes, yes it is. And the fact that people uh, seem to mistag it because I think they go halfway through the story and put it down. Yeah, I mean it's and it's not a very long experience either, three mm-hmm. four hours. So, but yeah, I mean just the way the the actual weight of the story and what you're doing combined with that gut wrenching soundtrack. I don't think I've had to talk to a single person who's played this game that hasn't cried. I don't think I cried, but I, I definitely did not enjoy my experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, it hasn't hasn't felt bad. <laughs> Hasn't shed a tear. Did you shed even one solitary? Uh, I, I'm man not sure about that. Oh, I bawled my eyes out the first time and the second time. I think uh, my worst time was actually at Brothers of Tale Two Sons, which I would also, uh, yeah, kind of put in this tech category as well. Uh, it, yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it's it starts off a l- very light, but as it uh, goes on and on, it becomes less and less fun, uh, especially right. once you hit the city. I would say that's when it becomes a non-fun game, but that once again, that's you know, where you draw the line because that's uh, what the last third of the game, last quarter, right? Yeah, I'll, but Brothers is pretty short too, mm-hmm. a few hours. Um, I picked out a few games that I'd recently played that I found compelling as opposed to fun. Space Plan, I talked about that on the podcast a few months ago at this point, I believe. Uh, that's a, a clicker game that is kind of silly, got some funny storytelling elements to it. It's not really a lot of fun, but as you go through, there's some interesting story beats that keep you going, and then the ending is just gorgeous. Yeah, I haven't like, played it yet. You sent it to me. The The pixel art that it does for you mixed with the soundtrack that plays basically as the credits, I was pretty wowed by that. So not fun, but compelling to get you to the end where that it feels sort of like, I mean, it, it definitely is like a work of art. Like that's what this is, is a, a weird sort of museum art gallery that you go to or like an exhibit, art exhibit. And as you walk through it, you're sort of drawn farther in. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, wow. Okay. This all comes together and is beautiful. And, and that's what space. Plan well, is. if you want to talk compelling, uh, uh, I have Dwarf Fortress, uh, the Sim City, uh, kind of just genre as well with city skylines. You could throw Rimworld in there. All of them are compelling in their own way, where it's about how long you last or you know how much you can build up. But moment to moment, it's not really fun per se, unless you enjoy like in city skylines, setting and building little individual details that. Honestly, you would never really see unless you zoomed way in. But it's that compulsion of wanting to try to design your own city, design a place you may know or a place you may be dreaming of that keeps you going. But it's not necessarily fun on a day-to-day or moment-to-moment basis. 
Yeah, and in that same vein, I put Xenonauts and XCOM yeah, which I have, to jointly together. Yeah, which on the I have list. XCOM on my list as well. Just you know, the moment to moment gameplay is not fun. It's stressful, uh, but it's challenging. Like for me, you know, it gets my brain going. I have to think like, how can I tackle this situation? How can I come out of it on top? And there are fun parts to it, and I definitely feel good when I win, but. I don't play it because it's like a fun woo game. It's really challenging and I get satisfaction from coming out of those really difficult situations. And the end of the game, particularly in XCOM, I haven't actually gotten that far in Xenonauts yet, but the end game in XCOM gets really boring because you get so OP that it the challenge starts to fade away. I mean, you if you really fuck up, you can still lose, but that constant like Oh Jesus! And, so know, it's basically this climbing up a wall and then yeah, coasting. Right. Yeah, I mean uh, the same vein for a couple of mine on the compelling category: Cuphead and Super Meat Boy. Yeah, just ball-bustingly tough platformer or platformer shooters that has this build-up as you try the level or try the boss and uh, get a little further each time, each time until that big release. At the end, where, you know, that's the fun part, or that fun moment, that uh, endorphin hit. But until that point, it's just incredibly frustrating. And, you know, I I would definitely put it in the not fun category until that point, unless you're into that sort of thing. Right. And we talked about KSP as that sort of thing as well. I don't know if you want to put it on your list uh, or not. Mostly because, uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, in-between scenario where it's not fun if you don't understand the physics or the science behind it but at the same time if you do then you can start having fun with it and uh, you know doing some wacky shit yeah so Kerbal walks this fine line but I think it might fit into that category I think where it might be more compelling than fun is if you have an interest in that sort of thing but you don't know a lot about it yeah you don't understand uh, space isn't just up but it's fast Right. So you're compelled to keep playing to learn. But I suppose if you're in that category, there would be a tempting point where it would become fun and you would keep playing or you would just get bored. I mean, uh, well, uh, this is going to sound like a tenuous uh, connection, but I had uh, sort of the same feeling with Alan Wake, where it's really essentially two games where you have this very lighthearted kind of goofy uh, daytime uh, scenario. But then at night, it becomes this very dark, dreary, not fun, uh, very sluggish uh, survival shooter. Yeah. So it it kind of fits in both, uh, well, both in a uh, compelling category, but also it doesn't because then you have the sections with Barry or the rock concert, which are definitely fun sections. But at the same time, you went, what, six hours to get there with with maybe three hours of, uh, you know, fun you know i don't know why i didn't think of a couple of games that just popped into my head probably because i find them enjoyable but pretty much any survival sandbox well, well, alan wake is kind of, or something well, like, alan wake is kind of a fill-in for the horror genre for me yeah something like factorio as well or elite dangerous like those games where that there's not a lot of guidance you're just sort of dumped into it and you either but they also kind of fall into that KSP category, though. If you're not interested in that sort of thing, you probably wouldn't stick around. But if you are, you're probably going to have fun with it. Although there's been plenty of times where I've pressed on in like Factorio when I wasn't having fun anymore because I wanted to 
perfect something. I wanted to figure out something, or I was so close to winning that I, I just wanted to complete it. Sometimes that happens with Elite too. Like, I'm really close to that ne- next rank or that next thing that I want, and I'd rather stop playing for the night, but I'm right there. The the sort of one more turn syndrome yeah. for, you know, Civ or whatever. Yeah, which I didn't well, put like- Civ on my list because I find uh, most of it fun. Not the, uh, yeah, uh, forging alliances part because, you know, the AI is kind of man uh, Civ 5, but I definitely get what you uh, are talking about, especially with uh, two other games on my list, Euro Truck Sim 2 and Stardew Valley. Both have that compelling, uh, you know, just get this done, or just one more day, or just this trip, that sort of thing. Where, uh, yeah. uh, on the face of it, I mean, uh, uh, well, Stardew Valley especially, I mean, uh, your wife Katie, <laughs> we, uh, uh, she was asking about games she could be interested in. I mentioned Stardew Valley, and what was her response to that? Oh, she said that was stupid, <laughs> you guys are dumb. <laughs> Um, I can see why she would think that though, because her and I both have worked on real farms, so and we both didn't like it. But I like farming games. So. Well, you're also you know not getting up at the crack of dawn to uh, go fist the cows or whatever a farm does. <laughs> Depends on what kind of farm you're on, but I have fisted cows before, so. Well, we do know that's probably one of your fetishes. I really don't like it. <laughs> I know that you're joking. I really don't like it. It's gross. It smells. But whenever you're trying to... Never mind. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and you guys don't want to hear me talk about it. Uh, but uh, speaking of gross things, uh, another one uh, filling in for the roguelite uh, genre would be The Binding of Isaac in that uh, entire series and really the entire genre where uh, moment to moment, it's not fun until you get that... Yeah, well depending on the uh, the particular game, uh, that one overpowering uh, combination that, you know, you just wipe the floor with everything. Well, at least for a while. Because after all, this is a roguelite, so, you know, nothing lasts forever. Yes, that moment is fun, but up to, until that moment, you're uh, compelled to keep going. It's, it's... Looking back at Binding of Isaac, it's not fun until those moments. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's also games that... So I've got Please Don't Touch Anything on my list, because I didn't really have fun playing that game. I just was like, oh, that's weird. That's neat. So just sort of curiosity kept me poking around in that for a little while until I was... My curiosity It's was amazing how well we're synced up, because... Uh, uh, well, skipping XCOM, because I already talked about it, but King's Quest, the King's Quest series, and really the old-school point-and-click uh, genre... You know, Sierra style point and clicks where everything was out to kill you. And a lot of uh, the interest of the game wasn't just getting through the game and getting through the story and whatever, you know, moon logic puzzles are involved, but also how you could die. Sometimes it's obvious, you know, sometimes in King's Quest, there's that obvious statue that's kind of tra- uh, tracking you. Uh, that's a, a this giant archer that's like, huh, th- it looks like there's a, a, a an X in that doorway probably shouldn't stand on that. But then there's the other moments where you, a slight mix click and you fall to your death. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that, even though it's not on my list near automata has that there's something like 30 endings in that game. And most of them are different ways that you can fail the game by dying. And there are, have been people who have, you know, made whole 
YouTube series at this point about just all the different ways you can die in Nier Automata. And that's just something that that compels them to do, or they're compelled mm-hmm. to do, despite the fact that it's completely unnecessary to <laughs> beat the game. The last game I have on my list is Headliner, which I talked about a couple months ago as well. And that game wasn't really fun. It's Most of the gameplay elements are pretty boring, but just the idea of how much of an effect media can have, uh, news media, on people's outlook and the way that things are handled, especially with the Fake current news. political climate, is was just really fascinating. And I was compelled to play through something like six times by the time I was done with it, five or six times, just to see how many different outcomes I could get and how much you really could affect by the the spin you put on a story. Uh, well, one other one I have on the compelling list, and I have a couple more on the field trip list, is World of Warcraft filling in for the MMO genre. Once again, it's one of those games that, for certain people, it's definitely a lot of fun. But at the same time, a lot of the compel the compulsion was, yeah, play with your friends, uh, turning it almost into a virtual chat room, well, a or a a three D chat room, I should say. Yeah, before VR chat was a thing. Yeah, I mean, for both World of Warcraft and Eve Online, for me, at points those games were just chores. It's like, all right, got to do my dailies. Got to mm-hmm. check on my whatevers for whichever game it was. Yeah, and if you don't do so it, I you fall in. behind your friends and then your raid spot may be gone or whatever. Right, and that was not fun. It was work, but I had to keep doing it just like you do a job because you need to in order to you know, be, like you said, ready for raids or whatever. The most fun that I ever had out of World of Warcraft was playing with Katie when we were dating. And then later playing with my mom once I got her into the game. Although now she's way past Yeah, probably me. my... Way, 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 way past Yeah, me. my most memorable part of an MMO was actually... A, it was a raid failure. <laughs> it, it was actually kind of a goofy thing. Uh, should I share the story? Uh, th- th- this wasn't in World of Warcraft. This was in EverQuest. You know, going way back. Okay, in the Bastion of Thunder, which was one of the mid-tier raids for expansion pack like five or six out of like 14 or 15 now uh one of the last raids i think it was actually the last raid there was uh the this uh, kind of usurper thunder god that's trying to take over the plane of thunder but yeah story right well the uh raiding in everquest was always iffy as best because it didn't have the proper interface it was kind of just this hapdash thrown together thing yeah, like most of EverQuest, to be perfectly honest. L- looking back at EverQuest, it's uh, you know, just absolute massive grind. Uh, it's kind of masquerading as a pseudo game, more chat room than anything. Anyway, Raid starts to wipe, and somehow I'm the one of the last ones uh, still alive. Well, I pop my speed boost, and I start running. <laughs> because I thought, you know, if you're going to kill me, I'll make you work for it. And then I keep running because uh, it was technically an outdoor zone and I was a shaman and shaman uh, had the best speed uh, boost outside of a bard. Yo, so second best, but best uh, sustained, I should say. And I just kept running and kept running. And then the raid started to filter back in. It's like, why is the boss still at under half health? <laughs> And then I just hear on voice comms, 
don't stop running. We're reforming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had, nice. the, like I said, we had the ball set under half health, and it was a tough fight to begin with for our rate, for our group. So I kited the balls for a good 10 minutes while everybody filtered back in through the zone because it was, you know, ha- got ducked all the way out of the zone and had to filter back in. Everybody buffed up and we beat them. <laughs> nice. It was just the goofiest thing. I wish I had a video of it because it took the, the tank a good solid minute, two minutes to draw all the aggro off of me because that guy was pissed. <laughs> But uh, I, but outside of that, I could only think of a couple times that I really could say I could had fun with EverQuest. Everything else was either just you know pop in and uh, play the games, uh, you know, chat with people uh, while grinding, or you know uh, do much uh, chores. Essentially, yeah, you know, it was a comp- it was a compulsion. Yeah, you know, the Skinner box really, right. And, you know, that's kind of the MMO genre in a nutshell, really. You know, uh, shining moments of uh, uh, outside of mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. There have been more recent MMOs that try to, to go the other way by having a lot more story-focused content. Like uh, Star, Star Wars The Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is uh, in-game content and stuff like that, but most of the game can be played as a single-player story experience just with MMO trappings. Yeah, which kind of kills the pacing up of the game, doesn't it? Or the story, I should say. It does. Although I do like a good a good just MMO. I used to play those more, though, for just like time sinks while I listen to podcasts or audio Well, that's turned into your truck for I me. Play it. <laughs> yeah, for, for me right now, that's Elite, but I always have Elite of those games. Uh, but uh, a couple other field trip games and we're done here? Yeah, that's... I, I've knocked off my whole yeah. list, so unless something pops into my well, head, Well, uh, the done. visual novel genre, just in general, but I have, as representatives of it, uh, this is The Police, which is sort of visual novel with some management thrown in, and If My Heart Had Wings. You know, another game club yeah. game. Uh, very story-focused. Usually, unless you're playing one of Jared's, not goofy, schlocky, uh, you know, tits everywhere, but more a serious... Uh, 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 visual novels, even though they can't have tits, and often do actually, uh, they're not fun to play with at a, a play as a, at a moment to moment. They're a story. They're you know, a novel, and you know, there can't be all highs in a novel, otherwise it gets rather boring after a while. I mean, I think even my schlocky visual novels would fit into that category because they're not necessarily fun to play. It's just like, haha, this is a silly story. Although I guess you've, but you can enjoy the story too in a non schlocky mm-hmm. one. So. But still, yeah, I think pretty much all visual novels fit into that. In some way or another, yeah. some far more than others. I mean, I would I would say probably the best example would be something like Hlnad, but I haven't played it, so I don't want to throw it in. Yeah. Uh, but then my last one is Valiant Hearts The Great War, which uh, has its moments, particularly some of the boss fights, which are set to classical music. But it is just a depressing, heartfelt story that, you know, it is very not fun, particularly the ending, which I don't really want to spoil. But yeah, just a really heavy uh, uh, games like that in general. Well, uh, Brothers of Tell Two Sons would fall into that uh, as well. Yep, just telling these heart-riching stories, not fun. It can have its home moments. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. 
in Brothers of Tale Two Sons, you know, uh, dancing with the inventor, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, you know, then you know you have you know you know, Spider Lady, right? Spider Lady. <laughs> but yeah, that's my list. Ended up coming with a few others, but more just categories in general. Yeah. So, did we actually technically answer uh, the question of the best games that aren't fun? <laughs> uh, technically, no, because it's uh, really comes down to personal preference. Because, uh, yeah, we mentioned uh, Kerbal. Because, yeah, if you're if you don't have the science knowledge behind it. It wouldn't be fun, but at the same time, it would be compelling and be one of the better games. XCOM could be another example. You don't have the, strate- uh, the strategic knowledge or you know knowing how the game mechanics work, but at the same time, it could still uh, you know, be compelling and uh, be the best game. The best game is kind of a misnomer, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's very few things that you could just go, yep, that's objectively the best thing, especially when it comes to entertainment and art. I mean, but, hell, and people could absolutely uh, hate uh, uh, city management games, but I could think, oh, you know, uh, SimCity's definitely the best. Well, okay, definitely not 2013 installment, but still. <laughs> so I don't think there's really a best game. There's definitely ones that stand out. Particularly the first two that we think of uh, immediately, you know, Papers, Please, at, and This War Mine, and, you know, uh, lesser ones like To the Moon or uh, The Brothers of Tale of Two Sons. But uh, even then, yeah, they don't have to be dark, depressing, uh, heartfelt stories. They can be, you know, just compelling games like Euro Truck, where you're just sitting there driving along listening to podcasts. Is it fun? No, most likely not. Is it compelling? Well, yeah. Is it the best game? Well, it depends on what you call best. Here, here. What? <laughs> yeah. So that was that. Good, a good discussion, nonetheless. You know, it didn't <laughs> answer the question. Oh, we'll just put Kyle on it. Yeah. So now we're gonna move it on to our community corner, where we have uh, a few tweets this week, and then two audio letters. One of them particularly lengthy, but that's all right. I'd rather have lengthy community engagement as opposed to no community. Uh, we're going to start off with Kyle's audio letter. Uh, and without further ado, I'll just let Kyle tell you about what's going on. Greetings, Jay Arthur and Caffeine Rage. This is Kyle coming at you this week about PUBG. So some of the members of the community and I have been playing a lot of Player Unknowns, and for those who don't know what that is, That is a game in which you and 100 other people are dropped onto what I will colloquially call Murder Island. The idea is to be the last man standing in a scrounge-em-up survival sort of battle royale. The game proper starts with you and your 99 competitors in an area. You need to choose when and where to drop in order to maximize the amount of loot and minimize the amount of danger that you're going to encounter. Through the course of running around on the island and scavenging various weapons, armors, and health pickups from the various structures that dot the landscape, you need to continually make your way into a safe zone, which is continually shrinking. If you find yourself outside of the safe zone, you will start to take damage. It's not a whole lot in the first couple of collapses of the zone, but as the game picks up intensity, the longer you stay outside of the safe zone, the more likely it is you're going to die within a few seconds. Now that very gamey aspect of the experience is definitely a good idea. 
It prevents people from just turtling up in a random shack somewhere and forces confrontation in the end. You need to be the last person standing in order to get that sweet, sweet chicken dinner. So why am I talking about PUBG? Well, partially because Cube, Ghost, Melz, and I have been playing it, and we've been having a really good time with it, but also because I wanted to answer a pretty stupid question that nobody was asking. The question was, if you took 100 random average Americans, who would survive? How good are your odds of survival? And what actually goes into surviving PUBG? In order to do this properly, I had to set up a few ground rules and assumptions. The first is that people are being dropped in as is with no additional training. This prevents the question from becoming irrelevant at the first hurdle. Second, in the game, the parachutes will open at a preset altitude from the ground, and I'm going to assume that the same is true in real life for our scenario. That way, a lack of para-jumping skills is not necessarily going to handicap this at the first hurdle. That having been said, let's get started. How many potential victi- I mean participants do we have for this? Well, at time of recording, the current U.S. population is 325 million people. Awesome. So your chances of getting selected for this are something in the neighborhood of .003%. I like those odds. But what skills do you possibly have that could give you the edge in this game? So, what would give you an edge in these games? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is a proficiency with firearms. Most of the kills in this game are performed with firearms simply because, well, they're everywhere in this game. So... That seems like a pretty straightforward question. We just need to know the number of people in the United States who own a gun. How hard could that be to answer? Weirdly enough, this was the number that I had to speculate the most on. See, for whatever reason, we don't have an accurate number of how many people own guns in the United States, but we do have fairly accurate numbers of how many guns there are in the United States. The estimate ranges from between 270 million to 310 million. Now, this is where I had to start data mining my friends in order to try to figure out how many guns the average gun owner owned. So after talking to a lot of my gun-owning friends and crunching the numbers, I came up with 3.3 guns is how many guns the average gun owner has. This takes into account people who own a lot and also people who only own one. So, that's pretty easy. We take 290 million and divide it by 3.3, and that gives us somewhere in the neighborhood of 88 million gun owners in the United States. But that only takes into account proficiency with civilian firearms, so while you're still going to run into problems down the road, you're going to have a basic understanding of what ammo goes into what gun, you're going to know how to reload a magazine, and you're going to have a technical knowledge of how zeroing distance and optics work. In addition to that, being familiar with firearms conveys better aim. The average among my gun-owning friends and myself is about an 81% accuracy with pistols, and about a 90% accuracy with basic rifles. Alright, that's a good start, but what if you had more skills? What if you were one of the active duty or reserve duty military personnel in this country? At time of recording, there's 2.2 million active and reserve duty military personnel. What kind of skills would they have that the average civilian probably wouldn't? The first and most important would be proficiency with fully automatic rifles. There's a thing called keyholing, or bullet clustering. The idea is when you fire an automatic rifle, it's going to come up and off the target due to recoil. How quickly you can get back onto target and keeping your clustering smaller, or your keyhole smaller, is a just ridiculously hard skill that takes a lot of training to get good at. The other key advantage that military personnel have is exposure to combat stress and ways of dealing Combat stress is going to be probably one of the biggest killers in this what-if scenario when people are just so stressed out that they start making really stupid choices.
Weirdly enough, this doesn't seem to confer over into firearm accuracy. Most of the military people I talked to had about an 80% accuracy with a pistol and about a 90% accuracy with a rifle. So it seems a hobby level of firearms experience is enough to get the accuracy up to where it needs to be. So, that having been said, let's break down the population into some averages. Roughly, 72% of the United States population has what I would call below average firearm experience. So they are our baseline, and they will be assigned one point of weight in this simulation. What you can expect from people at this proficiency level will be not knowing what kind of ammo goes with what guns, not knowing how to load a magazine, not being aware of zeroing distances or optics and how to sight them in, not being able to deal with combat stress, and when going full auto, having no way to compensate for keyholing, which is why they are given the lowest weight in this particular scenario. The second group of participants, making up about 27% of the U.S. population, is being given weight 5. They're being given weight 5 because of the several advantages that they hold over the people, such as the ability to fire a gun with some degree of accuracy, the ability to match guns and ammo types, the ability to reload magazines, and at least a technical understanding of zeroing distances and how to sight in optics. The final group of participants, made up of active and reserve duty military, are being given weight 25. This is because they have firearms experience and generally combat experience. Now, I know this isn't true across the board, but I'm sure that it helps having been in stressful situations before. So, how does this shake out in a survival way in a PUBG scenario? Having run the numbers, I've come up with two percentages of who will win this thing overall. The first that I'd like to talk about is the individual percentage. That is, in each group, how good are the individual's odds of winning this particular challenge? Let's start off with the professionals, the reserve and active duty military. They make up about one of the 100 people on the battlefield, and they have an individual chance of about 11% of winning this thing. The second group, the hobbyists, of whom there are about 27 on the battlefield, are next in line at 2% per individual for victory in this competition. The final group, the final 72 people on the battlefield, who have no firearms experience, have about a 0.4% chance of individual victory. So that's it, isn't it? The person with 11% clearly has the advantage here, they're probably going to win, right? Well, that would be discounting a lot of factors, such as the other players and the constantly shrinking zone of play. Weirdly enough, when taken a look at as a group, given the population and weight, the hobbyists actually have the highest percent chance of having a hobbyist win this thing overall, at 58%. The next most likely group to win is actually the people who've never fired a gun in their lives at 31% likelihood that the winner will be from that group. The reason mostly comes down to the fact that there's 72 of these people running around, and that kind of swings the odds a bit more in their favor. Now the last group, the active and reserve duty military, still are sitting at an 11% chance of winning this thing overall. This is simply because they are only one person, and it's pretty likely that they'll get taken out at some point in this game. So what does this mean? Well, it means that the professionals, the active and reserve military, have the highest individual percent chance of winning this thing, but more likely than not, it's going to be a hobbyist that's going to take home that sweet, sweet chicken dinner, even if, as a hobbyist, your percent chance of winning overall is only 2% individual. So I guess what my advice would be is avoid the people who are shooting at you and only kill out of necessity. This strategy not only seems to work really, really well in my everyday life, but it also works pretty good in PUBG. Anyways, so that's about how the average American would fare in PUBG. Was there any point to this? Well, no, not really, and as I was discussing with Cube when playing PUBG, 
what the hell is the point of PUBG? And I obviously don't mean from like a video game perspective, but my question to him was, what is PUBG in its own universe? Why are people dropping onto this island to become best murder hobo? To be completely honest, neither of us could answer things, and as Sigmund Freud once said, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I think this is just kind of an interesting game mode that uh, Player Unknown has been able to make into a very decent standalone. Anywho, this has been Kyle. Thanks for listening, and I hope you all have a great night. All right. Thank you very much, Kyle, for telling us all about PUBG. Do you, do you have a feeling that we're going to wake up someday uh, yeah, gagged and uh, sitting on an airplane? I mean, I do all right. I'm in that hobbyist level that he talked about. Well, I'm so. in the cripple level, so I would be yeah, dead instantly. <laughs> zero percent chance yeah but uh um well kyle first of all um what the hell are you on <laughs> uh but uh, what are you going to give everyone to simulate the clunkiness of uh PUBG? Are you are you going to give people personal cha- uh teleporters to simulate the rubber banding uh, i mean you're, you're not quite at PUBG yet you're you're at, you're, you're at uh, a very interesting uh reality show but not quite PUBG. I would, I would love to watch that reality show. Although I want you to further tweak your analysis with other potentially useful skills for PUBG, besides just um, firearms. I mean, hell, just traps. Because if this was if this was the real world, then you would have to deal with endurance. Um, PUBG matches don't last that long, so you don't have to worry about like food and stuff like that. But at least with that attitude. Physical endurance. Does your gender affect your uh, your probability of winning? Uh, that sort of thing. You're, you've got a good start here, Kyle. This is a good start. But I'm going to need like 10 more pages for you to complete this research essay. And so. are you going to resurrect uh, Richard Dawkins and, become, and have the running man? Or, or are we going just pure uh, battle royale? Is this, is this Hunger Games or Running Man? Yeah, personally, I would go with Running Man. Uh, I th- I think that would be I, a hell of a game mode, actually. Uh, we haven't really seen a proper uh, asymmetric thing like that. We've seen it close with Evolve, but Evolve turned into hide and seek and not a lot of anything else. Uh, Running Man, if you could set it up where you're actively hunting the entire time instead of just, you know, uh, you know chasing maybe a signal off in the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I that think if, well, if it was done a, a lot better, it could have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> Isn't that the case for most things that were bad? If they'd just done a better job, it would have been more interesting. Oh, well, except for lawbreakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, Kyle, I have missed your little, I don't know what you would call these, your little essays, I suppose. They're so much fun. I'm, I love being surprised by what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out this what the hell. One. This was a this was a good one. So, anything else that you have to say or add? Uh, or never stop whatever? being Kyle. Amen. I want to know if you and Goshark like talked about this beforehand, because there's a lot of uh, uh, not similarity. They just they go together. Your two audio letters go based on what Goshark about. Speak of which, hey guys, it's Goshark here, and I am talking to you from my vehicle in the middle of a parking lot by my school in the freezing cold and hopefully this won't take too terribly long. Um, you guys were talking about some interesting stuff last week and I thought I would chime in on it. Um, 
those of you who don't know about my uh, history, uh, I tend not to talk about it too much because I don't want to sound like I'm bragging about it all that much. Um, I have about 14 years worth of military experience under my belt. I joined in 2001 before the uh, before 9/11 happened. Um, done four years active time and a whole lot more reserve time with a couple deployments under my belt altogether and a lot of training time. Um, somewhere in the middle of all that, I've also gone through a police academy. And at one point, I was looking at being a police officer as my career of choice. Um, certain things happen in life, and uh, I just never got around to it. And now I think I'm a bit too old and falling apart to really pursue that career anymore. Um, civilian side, I have, I've, I've worked at a gun shop for about five years. I quit that job uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, I, still, I still shoot on occasion, uh, not nearly as much as I used to, um, but... I think that kind of gives me a little bit of a insight to, you know, a lot of these active shooter stuff, you know, with all of my training that I've got, I feel like I have some things to say. Um, number one is that training is key for any of this stuff, whether it's military, whether it's law enforcement, um, civilian side, doing concealed carry, uh, the more training you have, the better equipped you will be. Uh, for whatever might be might come your way, uh, civilians, uh, you know, in the gun shop, I've seen plenty of people that needed way more training than they actually had, and uh, I was afraid of what they would do. Have, would they ever need to use their firearm? Um, there's some people that really shouldn't have firearms, in my opinion. Uh, not to say that. There shouldn't be a Second Amendment, but that's the whole political thing that I don't really want to get into right now. Um, but the more training that I've seen, usually the more training I see people get, uh, the more comfortable they feel with whatever they're doing. Uh, case in point, there is a woman that came into the shop. Let's call her Tanya. Um, she was absolutely paranoid. Her car had gotten broken into at her house. Uh, at least three times in one month. Um, unfortunately, in Illinois, or fortunately, depending on the situation, uh, in Illinois, you have to have a firearms owner's identification card in order to buy guns and ammo. Uh, she didn't have one of these at the time, so she had to apply for it, wait the six weeks in fear of her life, or you know, bodily harm, I should say, uh, while the card came in, before she could do anything, uh, the day she finally came, she got it. She came in, bought a firearm, signed up for a class, uh, took the firearm out in a range, fired two rounds, and almost called it quits right there. Um, with a little bit of help and assistance from some of the people that were working that day, we managed to get her calmed down, get her to come back on one of the off hours when there was only like maybe one other person shooting on a range, and calmed her down, got her comfortable, uh, got her class, got her training done, um, got her to practice a lot more, and I, it's really hard to describe, you know, just how 
how shocked and timid she was coming in with her mindset of, you know, being in abject terror of, of her, you know, the, the, with what was going on with her. Um, but just from working with her, getting to know her, getting her trained so she's more comfortable with the weapon that she is going to carry to protect herself, if anything was to happen, um, she absolutely came out of her shell and she was an amazing person. Um, you know, I, I've got dozens of stories I could tell like that where, where people were, something happened to them and they were absolutely afraid and they're through finding a way to, you know, protect themselves and become more confident in what they did, you know, what they, what they had to protect themselves with. Um, you know, they, they weren't running around trying to be some gun-toting vigilante. They just wanted some peace of mind. But it all came down to training. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with, like, in a roundabout way, thanks to the cold. Um, a lot of things, whether it's concealed carry or law enforcement, um, they don't really focus on the training of putting somebody in a high-stress situation and, you know, seeing how they react, seeing what they do. Um, there's a thing called the OODA loop, O-O-D-A. It's uh, orient, uh, observe, orient, um, direct, no, I'm sorry, it's the cold's killing me here. Observe, orient, decide, and act. Um, by doing those four actions, you're, whenever a threat happens, you're, it's basically your, your body's natural uh, problem solving. The problem is when you throw stress into the, this mix, um, the human mind can sometimes skip a step and just constantly get stuck in a loop. Um, as in, say, you don't go back to the beginning after you've completed an action. And instead of stopping and looking to see what's going on around you, you just keep doing what you're doing because your brain just says, keep acting. Um, a case of this is all the, uh, the police shootings you hear of where, uh, you know, dozens of rounds are fired, you know, and not many hits are happening, but, you know, people have, I've, I've heard of a situation where a police officer emptied his magazine three times before he realized that he was done shooting. The guy who was shooting back at him was on the ground bleeding out before he realized that, okay, I'm, I just burned all of my ammo. But that was basically because he was put in a high-stress situation where he hadn't really been in before, and his body or his mind just didn't finish the loops and, you know, come back around for him to look and see what was going on and uh, decide that, okay, threat is done, I need to stop shooting. Um, I'm not defending gratuitous violence in situations like that. I'm not saying he was in the right or the wrong. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm saying is the more times that, the more stress, the more, uh, God, it's cold in here. Um, the, the more training you have when you're put under stressful conditions, the more apt you are to keep that loop from getting stuck in a crazy cycle. So, um, and like I said, law enforcement's the same way. Law enforcement, you, from what I've seen, there really isn't that much in the way of extra training when it comes to uh, marksmanship or crazy things like that. Uh, I know of several police officers when I was working at the gun shop who would come in once a year, a week before qualifications, 
um, fire 50 rounds at the target, be glad that they actually hit the target, and then leave, and I wouldn't see him for another 11 months until the next uh, qualifications happened. Uh, so, well, there's that. Uh, as far as training and, you know, like, these, this, uh, application for, you know, teachers, or even for the military, or for law enforcement, and stuff like that, these, these games, so to speak, um, that's been going on for a while, uh, America's Army isn't really one of those, like, Rage said last week, it was more of a recruiting tool, uh, but there are some odds and ends, uh, simulators or things like that that are used to uh, provide a training environment. It's easier to run a, a program or a, a game like that where you can kind of try out different tactics than to set up a whole big real-world kill house or, you know, shoot house or uh, set up kind of some kind of a live-action scenario. Um, not to say that those don't happen, and that's that's kind of a way to supplement training um, but there are, uh, there are other ways to do, you know, virtual training, as in, like, uh, I, I know I've spent some time on firearm simulators where you're running modified firearms with, uh, lasers on them, and it's essentially like the old Nintendo Zapper, only with real firearms, modified, um, but they'll throw scenarios at you, where everything's a uh, live-action video, and depending on what happens in a situation, you know, you may have to just shout at the screen, um, draw your weapon, just brand, just drawing the weapon to kind of calm the threat down, you know, to, to de-escalate. Uh, that's not a, no, that's not de-escalating. Anyway, um, it's it's basically a shoot or no shoot kind of situation. There's a controller behind the sc- behind you where he gets to push buttons to say whether things go crazy or whether things de-escalate thanks to how you uh, are reacting. So um, the most advanced thing I've seen along those lines was uh, a few years ago I was at a uh, expo for military and law enforcement uh, tools and gadgets, you know, up-and-coming stuff. And there was a space that was taped off about 50 by 50 foot. And there was a... uh, fire team of marines that were in it with all kinds of high-tech gear decked out on them and uh what they were doing was it was a virtual shoot house that whole space was completely empty but they were wearing virtual headsets and sensors all over and uh they were inside of a virtual world with uh doors and walls and windows and seemingly bad guys all over the place so and i'm starting to shake because it's freezing in here Alright, let me go ahead and start wrapping this up because it's been a while already. Um, so I'd mentioned America's Army 3, and uh, honestly, since it is a free game, I would be kind of interested in if more of the community got into it just to try it out. I've, I have it, I play around with it every once in a while. I don't really mess around with the multiplayer because it is a pretty small community, and I would get my butt kicked pretty handily because there's a lot of dedicated people in it. But, that being said, if we all got together and just had some fun, it would be interesting. Um, America's Army 3 is... Uh, I'm sorry, not America's Army. Arma 3 is another game that's uh, very interesting on that. Uh, it plays the the large scale of combat very well. 
Um, the small scale is not the best. Uh, well, I won't say it's not the best. It just has some very interesting quirks. Um, the armor bugs. But um, I wouldn't mind uh, getting more into that. Um, anyway, God, I'm, my hand is frozen right now. All right, I'll start wrapping this up. Uh, let's see, what else did I have on my notes here? Oh, Bungie. Um, so I've never played Destiny or Destiny 2. Uh, I'm a fanboy of Bungie from back in the old days. I know you guys were talking about it. Um, I absolutely love the Marathon series. And if I can ever find those open source again, I know they're on the internet somewhere, um, that might be something I end up streaming or recording uh, sometime in the future. So... And speaking of streaming, since this is going to actually come out before I'm planning to do this, I'll go ahead and mention it on here. Um, I'm thinking about streaming on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to stream. It's basically just kind of testing out uh, Microsoft Mixer to see whether or not it's going to work on my computer. Because um, if I do stream The Wolf Among Us like I'm wanting to, that's probably what it's going to be on rather than Twitch, since uh, Mixer tends to have, I think they have like a one-second delay. Uh, so that might actually be beneficial to get some uh, quicker activity between me and my streamers, or my watchers. So, Anyways, I'm about to shake my phone out of my hands. So um, if, I, if I can get a stream going, I'll give it a try. I might try testing out Wolf Among Us or some other story game like that. Otherwise, if enough people show up that have armor, I've been kind of thinking about um, maybe trying out how well it works uh, with real-world tactics. Um, I know there's a little shoot house in there that I've been messing around with, and uh, if enough people from the community want to get into it, I'd be willing to show like some out tactics or other things like that. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, before I turn into a popsicle, I'm going to end this, and I am going to turn on the engine and blast the heat for a little bit. So, all right, I will talk to you guys later. Thank you very much, Ghost Shark, for that interesting, informative perspective on on a very difficult issue, and also for opening up and sharing your life. Yeah, and, and during I mean, talked... Frostbite, uh, we hope that you're still able to count to 20 uh, without having to get naked. I, I don't hope that. I want you to get naked. What, you want him to lose a finger? I mean, I, I want him to get naked. If that's how we have to do it, then sure. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> just think of the shrinkage if he was sitting there shivering the entire time. That's okay. That's, that's you just fine. want to warm him up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but but no, it's, it's just really interesting to listen to a, a former military man just talk about a lot of that stuff i i no, have we a dispersion of the fact that the tool exists it's more of a sad state of how the country handles firearms yeah uh, i have a few family members who are were in the military at one point or another in their life but most of them served in quite a bit of active duty combat either in vietnam or um the gulf war and they don't like to talk about any of their stuff at all so even though I've been exposed to military people, police officers, I've got several police officers in my family as well. Uh, one of my cousins is actually, he was on a SWAT team for 20 years or something like that. 
he's a, a police captain now. He's older than me, obviously. He's 50-something. But, you know, family relations can be odd sometimes with how you line up. I think he's my second cousin. But uh, anyways, that's, so you that's can fuck the him? point. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, he doesn't like to talk about it either just because of the experiences that he's yeah, had. Yeah, the stress. So, yeah. I mean, I was, I've talked about this before, but I mean, I, I grew up around firearms. I've been handling a gun since I was uh, five or six years old. And, you know, I've said it before on here. I have a concealed carry license. I, we own several firearms here at our house and I haven't been to the range as much this year as I would have liked to have, but I still go practice regularly. I've taken a couple of advanced courses. I've never done, obviously I've never done combat training or anything like that that i've never taken any of the like super advanced courses where they'll run you through that sort of thing because as civilians if you you know if you're willing to pay then if you meet their sort of experience standards at least for the ones that are around here you have to basically pass a test that says that you're comfortable enough with a firearm to participate in this advanced hands-on training but i mean you can you can get some level of that training so it's just interesting though to, to hear the perspective of someone who is both former military and also worked in a in a gun store talk about this kind of stuff because i've also seen instances of what you're talking about the the particular lady who came in and was scared and super nervous and that transformation that happens like i've seen that in people it's interesting it's also a bit foreign to me as well because being raised around firearms i'm uh i've actually been in situations where instructors or people who are working in, in gun shops and things like that are not observing proper handling of firearms. And it's like, whoa, what are you what are you doing? You're supposed to be teaching a class. Why are you pointing a gun at people? I don't care if it's unloaded. Like, that's one of the uh, rules. I'm sorry, but... Uh, that's like rule number one. Don't point a gun at somebody, regardless of whether or not it's loaded. Uh, I'm just thinking of Because what I'm if sorry. you're wrong? Uh, I just uh, keep thinking of this one kind of viral video that went around a couple of years ago of a firearm safety officer and it was in florida of course who shot himself in the foot florida man during yeah. class i've seen that one and there's a i mean there's a bunch of these there's one where a guy winds up uh accidentally discharging his firearm and uh it kicks back and hits him in the face one of the students in the class were like was that supposed to happen and he's like uh yeah yeah it was i was I yeah was but this guy him. went full barney fife yeah yeah. I don't know how much to really add or say on top of that. I mean, you know, those sort of personal life stories are difficult to talk about in this sort of Yeah, but format. we do appreciate uh, you bearing the cold force. Indeed. Indeed. So I'll edit most of that out, but there's a couple places where I'm not sure I can get out without cutting out some or of the, the other buzzes. where you're saying you're in the cold. Cold. Yeah, I, that buzz is pretty consistent, so I think I can deal with it. I don't know if it was buzzy, then you know it all. But if it wasn't, there was a horrible buzzy noise. I think it was his his phone vibrating. Yeah, some sort of alert. (laughs) It it was it was trying to warm itself. It was too cold. Yeah, Ghost Shark did apologize though, (laughs) and I accept your apology. It's fine. Yeah, I I had some pretty shitty audio. Yeah, wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Honestly, after you you said uh, "mind your ears." Well, I had my volume turned up too loud to start with, and so it was really it was way too loud for me. Um, as to the other, some of the other things that you talked about, um, I also enjoy marathon. Uh, I played marathon before I played doom. So I prefer marathon overall. I used to have, uh, the open source games on a flash drive, but 
I have no idea where it is, if I even still have it. But if I find them, I'll send them to you on Dropbox. The files aren't very big. I might do a, a search on the interwebs for them a little bit later. And then for streaming, what night did he say he was going to stream? Uh, didn't Again? catch it. Did he Did he say? Uh, I'm sorry, I just didn't catch it. The, if he said it, I, I just missed it. The audio quality was not that great. Okay. supposed to tweet about it. If it was for Thursday night, I might just... We could all pile on watching Ghost Shark stream. Because Thursday night was when I was when I was planning on doing my makeup community. But if he's going to do it then, then we'll just all go hang out with Ghost Shark instead. But I'll talk to him about that and figure it out and post a tweet. Although by the time this comes out, if it was going to be Thursday, it'll be too late. Unless you have a time machine. So, so fuck it. We'll do it live? Yeah, we'll do it live. We'll figure it, we'll fix it in post. Do it live and fix it in post. Uh, isn't that two different things? Shh. Don't worry about it. I'm too late worrying about it. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, was there anything else that he said that I missed before we move on to the tweets? Uh, No. I don't think so. I mean, he did mention uh, Bungie, but uh, mostly just being an old fan of it uh, with the Marathon games, and that's really all I caught. So, yeah, tweets. Uh, cool. uh, Jim uh, sent us a link uh, about how uh, when money affects gameplay, companies optimize for revenue instead of uh, player fund, but we already kind of talked about that before, so it's more just reaffirming what we've already talked about quite a bit. So, moving along, uh, Chemist uh, brought up uh, the Civ 6 plus 2 DLCs for 12 bucks uh, with the Humble Monthly Bundle. And I am so sorry. <laughs> so I guess he's killing people's free time. And then there, yeah, and there was that. a rather long thread about Kyle backstabbing people and Civ running on low-spec hardware between Kyle, Andrew Mason, and Chemis. Uh, I hope you could forgive me skipping on that. It's uh, It was like 20 or so uh, long. Let's see. Ghost Shark. I served in the 90s. Just how old do you think I am, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I misremembered. And, I, yeah, and I just didn't hear you say the 90s, so... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Kyle. I think uh, giving Ghost Shark booze is the only uh, part of the bad uh, slash impulse buy equation. Usually there needs to be some cheering him on. Preferably, that person uh, should also be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and finally we wrap up with a small uh, back and forth with chemists did Kyle just go through I'm considering moving to a place with lesser nuclear uh, fallout contamination chance to let's build a nuclear power plant in my garden keep your friends close and your enemies closer I guess <laughs> plus aren't future uh, reactors not illegal because they don't exist <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here's the thing, is that you would have a Kerbal inside maintaining the nuclear reaction. They work as a living uh, a control rod, so you're perfectly fine. I mean, Grin, uh, Groove would be all globe. Yeah. But anyway, Kyle, they exist, uh, but as I said, they always take more energy to keep them going than they produce uh, with uh, with our current tech. Chemists, uh, that plane flies, uh, uh, that plane flies, it's just lower than it's higher. Kyle, exactly. Uh, we are getting there as, as a species, though. <laughs> so, before long, uh, Kyle's going to be exhibiting uh, an extra pair of uh, robotic arms, I guess, uh, from developing his fusion reactor. Or, you know, going full Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yes. And? And uh, they'll all be murders. 
all five of them because all the arms have their own AI because why not? <laughs> you know, that doesn't make much sense in Spider-Man, does it? Why did the uh, robot arms all need their own AIs? Uh, I don't know. But anyway, that is that done. So we're skipping Discovery Queue this week because we are at the like three hour, 20 minute mark without audio letters, which means we're at the part the part of the podcast where you go first indeed we are so if you want to find my youtube channel where all my stuffs are you can do so by searching for gaming psychologist coming back soon is divinity because we actually recorded yeah some i of still that. want to give it a couple of weeks to build up uh, the last episodes if you don't mind yes, indeed uh oh that's fine uh, still coming out on a daily to every other day basis are the Kerbalcast episodes that I've been putting up. Uh, surprisingly popular. Lots of people showing up like, oh my gosh, are they back? Oh no. <laughs> oh, you're, you're J. Arthur. Cool. Let me send you a message or whatever. And many people have asked what happened to Kerbalcast and sadly I have to give them all the same answer. We don't know. We speculate just as much Definitely as we Definitely into witness protection. Uh, uh, I hope you're at least sending them to VGL. Yep, I've referred, made reference to VGL. So hopefully we pick up some new listeners that way. Other than that, right now it's just the podcast. Again, I have many things that I want to work on and going from project to project. I now want to do something related to visual novels. I'm not sure what. Some sort of video essay. Not like a Let's Play or anything like that. And I just like threw that one on the pile. So, nope, uh, yeah, as as always, I make no promises aside from the fact that Divinity will be back soon in, I guess, a couple of weeks for feel comfortable to start putting it out. I just don't know if we're going to get an, yeah, another weekend of recording, so yeah, want to at least get a couple more into the tin before we start releasing. Yeah, hopefully, I, I've enjoyed Divinity, but I'm ready for it to end so we can do something else. But I don't want to just stop playing it because I actually want to finish it because I like it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of that weird compulsion, huh? And yeah. we are in the last uh, quarter or last third of the game. It's just that home stretch. Yeah. And also we need to uh, really sit down and uh, finalize what we want to do. Our previous plan or figure out something else. I think it's uh, going to be meeting time before too long. To Yay, another bi- uh, another business meeting. But other than YouTube, if you want to find me over on Twitter, you can do so by following me at JMA4707, where I tweet about all kinds of things. Today, I tweeted about some VGL stats for the year of 2017. Yeah, and I retweeted them. You and really should have done that on the official uh, Twitter as well. Yeah, I thought about that after the fact, but then I also thought, yeah, Rage will find it and retweet it. He always does. You're lucky I did, because I almost so, missed it. So, um, the uh, the short rundown is that uh, in the year of 2017, the year of our Lord, 2017, Gaming? we doubled, roughly doubled our, our listener base and grew our international audience by, uh, or we tripled our international audience. They used to make up about 4 or 5% of our listener base, and now they make up 15 listener base. So, hooray for globalism. Ooh. And also, thanks to everyone who continues to listen to our podcast and who I hope, assume, shares it with other people. And tolerates uh, uh, and- all our funny mouth noises. And greetings to the newer listeners. Welcome. And if you're somehow listening to this episode for the first time, like this is your first We're episode. Sorry. Hello, a special a special greeting to you. I'm not sorry. <laughs> well, we know special you have no shame. You. No, I have no shame. You'll learn that soon enough if you haven't figured it <laughs> I out I think already. they figured it out from the two visual novels. 
Finally, if you want to watch me stream games over on Twitch, you can do so at twitch.tv slash jr34707. I was saying Monday nights, but I'm thinking actually I'm going to go for Thursday nights on the regular. uh, Just because it would be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday where we would be actively doing things. And I'm a super introvert, so I need a little bit of time between to recharge Well, you need your t-shirt first. I do. I need to buy that (laughs) t-shirt. I I thought it was funny. I'm definitely going to buy one. I just haven't yet. Um, but yes, Twitch streams on Thursday, except maybe this Thursday, if Ghost is going to stream on Thursday. I got to talk to him about that, but this podcast comes out on Friday, so that doesn't matter. Anyways. Unless you have a time machine. If Finally, you do, lottery numbers. Also, 2016 presidential election. And Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, yeah. Although Bitcoin is going down in value. Yeah, but see, finally. we uh, hit the peak, so you know, we know when to sell now. If we have a time machine, that's we true. could uh, exploit that. Unless that's unless that's, that's all true. the time travelers already. Finally, if you want to be friends with me on Steam, my Steam username is jr34707. I accept all friend requests and love to have nice, wonderful conversations with all our lovely, lovely podcast listeners. So far, everyone has been lovely. No one has been a dickhead or a jackass. <laughs> uh, and let's see. Uh, the password for this week, if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, is Mohawk. <laughs> Just one of my random words I have listed here. <laughs> nice. Makes me think of the the old WoW ad on TV. Uh, Mr. T's <laughs> Night Elf Mohawk. Mr. T, that's not a class. It is now, fool. <laughs> Shut up, fool. Oh. Uh. But yeah, on my channel, since it's my turn now, uh, I ended up messing Monday with Civ 5 because after we recorded a Divinity, I went immediately into recording Civ and I did three hours and I had no usable footage. I just kept getting shitty map after shitty map after shitty map. And the thing is that there's no way to really tell how shitty your starting situation is until you played for, you know, 30 or so minutes and expanded out and uh, looked around. Yeah, let's put it this way. I had, well, I'm trying to play the Incas, which requires a certain map type uh, to do well. Wasn't getting that. Uh, in one uh, attempt, I was surrounded by five barbarian encampments and they were all gunning for me. So you could imagine uh, that was kind of dipped in expansion in the bud because, yeah, I could handle, you know, two or three, but five? No. I was constantly uh, having to deal with uh, barbarians, so, you know, decided, you know, this is probably a loss. Or, you know, I'd be a, a non-contender. Uh, so, decided to skip that. One, I had five copies of the same luxury resource, so I was going to have a happiness issue unless I tried to trade. And, you know, early trading is uh, very tough with the AI, especially when you haven't encountered them yet. So, I ended up skipping that one. So, yeah, I'm going to try it again tomorrow night and see if I actually get something that's worth recording <laughs> or worth saving, I should say. And you can find that over Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Uh, RimWorld is planned to come back next week. I um, need to do final testing on a couple of things and just to give a little bit more time with it, but I should be good to go with that. Divinity uh, will probably be two or so weeks out from that or from now to go. Yeah, give some extra recording time to myself and Jared Sunday sampler may have a delay this week because I have something that looks interesting, but I have an embargo and 
I don't want to break the gentleman's agreement because that's a trick you only really pull once, to be perfectly honest. A gentleman's agreement. I mean, that's what it is, really. An embargo is a gentleman's agreement. You know, there's really no uh, legal uh, uh, stance holding me to it. But if you start breaking embargoes, people are going to be less likely to give you free games. And I, I like free games. Me too. Uh, especially when they're good, right? Or they have boobies. Or both. I'll go with that. Uh, yeah, I'll give you, I'll take your word for that last one. But yeah, uh, Sunday Sampler should, uh, uh, be an interesting one this week, provided I get time with that. And you can find all that over with Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or you can just see me tweet somewhat randomly about who knows what on Gaming with CR. And, well, if you wish to contact us, uh, directly, uh, for the podcast, you could do so vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just tweet us vglpodcast on the Twitter. And if you step to pay for this absolute madness, like, well, Cube did, and he got his uh, two <laughs> topics, you could do so patreon.com slash vglpodcast. We're probably not going to do two topics again unless we have a massive breakdown of communications again. But yeah, you know, I think we had some interesting to- uh, discussions because of it. Yeah, definitely. If you wish to see the show notes with the absolute monster list of games that we have this week, which I am not looking forward to putting together, you can do so vgopodcast.pondbean.com, and there is also home to the RSS feed. If you're catching this on YouTube, or if you want a non-RSS version, you could use iTunes, Google Play, St- uh, Stitcher, or whatever. Yeah, wherever Jared shoved this podcast. Yes, including there. And no, not there. That's not legal in his state. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. Oh, uh, 2018 actually looks pretty good for gaming. 